Good afternoon. Let's call to order the Council Subcommittee on Boards and Commissions meeting of February 14th at 3 p.m. The city strongly denounces hate speech and does not tolerate disruptive behavior in our meetings. Sunnyvale prides itself on the rich diversity of our residents. We are committed to creating a culture of belonging where members of our diverse community feel included, safe, and respected. This subcommittee meeting is considered a limited public forum, which means the subcommittee can regulate the time, place, and manner of speech to prevent our meetings from being disrupted. This protects the rights of other speakers and ensures the subcommittee can accomplish its business in a reasonably efficient manner. Speaker comments must be limited to the agenda item being considered by the subcommittee. The presiding officer will make a determination as to whether a speaker's comment is related to an agenda item being considered by the subcommittee. And if a speaker does not comply, the presiding officer will rule the speaker out of order. The presiding officer will not rule a spe uh, speech out of order because the presiding officer disagrees with the content of a speaker's speech. And then before we get started, I'd like to remind participants of some procedural items before the meeting. For the meeting, during the meeting, remote participants will remain muted when not speaking. If remote participants have a question or a comment, please use the raise hand feature. Speakers will be called upon to speak one at a time. And members of the public may participate in person, online, or by telephone to provide public comment. Please submit a speaker card to the city clerk in person or use the raise hand feature online to request to speak, star and I on a telephone. Location and online meeting details are available on the subcommittee agenda. Captions are available to viewers accessing this meeting via Zoom. Captions can be displayed using the show captains captions button. Uh, first up will be roll call. Uh, committee member Cisneros. Present. Committee member Mellinger. Present. Committee member Melton. Present. Three present. And moving on to the first agenda item, selection of chair. Uh, as a reminder, the process includes a call for nominations. Nominees will have an opportunity to accept the nomination and speak towards the nomination. And then following public comment, subcommittee members will vote on nominees in the order that they are nominated. I will now take nominations for the office of chair of this subcommittee. Are there any nominations? Yes, I'll jump in. I nominate council member Richard Mellinger to serve as chair of the subcommittee. I accept the nomination. Thank you very much, Council Member Melton. Are there any additional nominations? Okay, I'll go ahead and open the public hearing on this specific item. Members of the public wishing to address the subcommittee regarding the selection of chair, please submit a speaker card, raise your digital hand now, or dial star nine on a telephone to indicate you wish to speak. I'll call on members participating in person first and then ask remote participants to unmute their microphone when it is their turn to address the subcommittee. And speakers will have three minutes to speak. Uh, and subcommittee members, there are no individuals in the room who have submitted a speaker card and no individuals remotely who have indicated desire to speak on this. So I will close public comment. And you can vote on your first nomination. All of those, I guess we do a roll call vote since we don't have voting in here. Uh, first up on the, for the nomination of uh, subcommittee member Mellinger as chair. Councilmember Cisneros, how do you vote? Yes. Councilmember Mellinger? Yes. Councilmember Melton? Yes. The motion carries 3-0. And uh, Chair Mellinger, you do have the script in front of you, and you're welcome to begin for with agenda item B. 
Thank you very much, Mr. City Clerk. Before we get started, I note that my uh, screen is currently reading Councilmember Melton and his is currently reading Councilmember Mellinger. I don't know if that matters for you, but if it does, let's take a moment and uh, swap that. Corrected. Thank you very much, Mr. City Clerk. Uh, moving on to our next agenda item, item B, file 24-0106, update regarding operational changes initiated by staff following the November 14th, 2024 joint meeting of City Council with Board and Commission Chairs and Vice Chairs. Is there a staff presentation? Uh, yes, subcommittee members, David Carnahan, the City Clerk. Uh, so there are, uh, we made a few operational changes uh, in response to the feedback heard during the council subcommittee on, or sorry, the joint sub, uh, the joint study session between board and commission chairs and vice chairs and, and council. Uh, one of those related to the parking garage under city hall. Uh, we now have a sign that indicates that the part, when the parking garage is open. So uh, for the time being during evening meetings, uh, we have staff that uh, prop the garage door open and put up a sign saying garage or garage open for tonight's event slash meeting. Uh, in the near future, we anticipate having all of the landscaping and lighting work done on the All America Way side of City Hall. And at that point, with parking right there uh, at grade level with meetings, we will stop opening the garage at night, but members of the public will be able to park right next to City Hall and come in for the night meetings. And that just will make keeping the building secure and emptying it after a little easier with one fewer floors to, to manage. Uh, and then we are working with the city attorney's office to do an updated uh, role-playing training to help uh, commissioners, for, especially for new commissioners, feel uh, a little more prepared for the parliamentary procedure process. Uh, and then we have reminded staff uh, that support boards and commissions that wherever possible to provide drafts of presentations to commissioners at least 24 hours before their meeting. Uh, so that you know they can really really peruse them and have uh, themselves prepped for questions, uh, you know, with the understanding that sometimes those aren't ready twenty four hours in advance. But it is a goal, and whenever possible, they will be providing those as a draft, similar to how those are provided to council twenty four hours in advance of a meeting. And then there were some comments regarding how detailed different boards and commissions uh, prepare their chair scripts. And so one thing that, you know, is a strong emphasis that I've shared with them, with our staff liaisons, is that for every meeting, they should really take the full chair script and tweak it detailed for that particular night. So instead of just saying, hey, chair, here's the script, update it or try and manage it, really putting in all the agenda titles and everything so it's easier for a, a chair as they go through the meeting to just, you know, go from top to bottom and not have to go, okay, well now I'm doing public comments. So let me flip back to that page or scroll up and down to that page. Uh, Cause there's, there's a lot going on in meetings and just providing that orderliness uh, as, a, as a tool for the chair, I think is really helpful. And the library has procured six electronic copies of the standard code of parliamentary procedure, which is the city's uh, parliamentary procedure book. Uh, and that has been shared with our chairs, vice chairs, as well as boarding commission members in case they're interested in perusing that in an electronic format. Uh, we do continue to provide a hard copy to every new commissioner board member. 
Uh, and then something that I have not had time to do, but does seem worthwhile as time permits would be putting together kind of a, a highlight reel of great parliamentary procedure in action in Sunnyvale. Uh, it's not time consuming in that it would be hard to find good parliamentary procedure, but just that we have lots of long meetings. And so finding good examples and then cutting it and putting it together would will be time consuming because we don't have, we don't do extensive video editing. So I don't have, you know, uh, a room of video editing equipment to make that happen. So it's, it is uh, on the long-term uh, tasks that I will work through. Um, and then it was noted that different boards and commissions, their meeting minutes can be either more or less detailed, uh, generally by commission. Uh, you know, all of our minutes are prepared in alignment with the standard code of parliamentary procedure, uh, which is really calls for action minutes. Uh, for city council, we go a little more than action and we include comments from the public. And then for boards and commissions, they tend to be a little more detailed. They include some of the discussion so that it's easier for council and the public to see what transpired during the meeting without having to attend meetings four nights a week or watch uh, recordings of meetings for four nights a week. Uh, the level of detail really has varied based on uh, expectations and demands made by different boards and commissions. So uh, many boards and commissions, the commissioners have been happier and content with uh, less discussion and a few have wanted uh, a lot more uh, detail in there. I don't know necessarily the additional detail is valuable to council, um, but it certainly does take more staff time to prepare longer minutes. So it's just a, you know, when there is, when we're preparing longer sets of minutes, it takes more time and that takes staff away from other things like implementing what uh, council or the commission has suggested staff work on. Uh, and then uh, there were uh, requests to have boarding commission members participate in meetings remotely. Um, and our administrative policy uh, does not support that. It is quite cumbersome under the traditional Brown Act rules to, you know, make sure a uh, commissioner is somewhere that's, you know, ADA accessible and the public participate remotely and listing their remote location on the agenda. Uh, that's quite, uh, quite involved on not just the commissioner or board member side, but also staff side. And then the more recent um, just cause and emergency provisions, while they don't have the location details, uh, there's still a lot of complexity in tracking to make sure that um, we don't, you know, with close to 60 commissioners, we don't have someone inadvertently taking too many of one or another type of an absence. And with the fact that those absences can be made at the beginning of the meeting, uh, there's a significant concern that we would end up without a quorum, without having any idea that there was gonna be no quorum in. We have had meetings canceled, you know, further other times with lack of a quorum, but it's usually in advance because commissioners will notify uh, staff liaison. So, you know, at the moment, it's not something we have the staff capacity to support. Uh, and then we are working on a revamp of the boards and commissions webpage to have uh, a, a secondary page that's resources for boarding commission members. And on that, that's we're going to include more, uh, you know, resharing the parliamentary procedure references that are uh, provided uh, to chairs and vice chairs with their brought on board. 
Uh, and then there was conversation also about providing secure bike lockers or access to a bike storage room. Um, there is a secure storage room in the basement of City Hall, but uh, we would have to go through uh, at least a minimum background check to issue badges to boarding commission members. It's not particularly feasible. And then once we are no longer opening the garage uh, for meetings, it would be hard to access. And it has seemed workable so far that uh, commissioners and board members that want to bring a bike and want to bring it inside because they don't feel comfortable with the, the bike lockers outside, they bring them inside and it hasn't uh, caused an issue, at least to my knowledge yet. Um, so that is a quick update on various operational changes that have been made. And I'm open to hearing uh, comments or questions from the subcommittee and the public. Thank you very much, Mr. City Clerk. Uh, Council Member Cisneros. Yeah, thank you. Uh, this is really helpful. And I'm just really heartened and wanted to point out to members of the public who may be listening that the city is really responsive to this feedback. And what I've really appreciated about staff, about council lately is thinking about ways to improve how we do things. And when there are the opportunities to just jump on it and get it done, that's what happens. And I think this is a really good example, right? Because it can feel, local government can feel really slow and hard to get through. And that is sometimes the case as it is for governments of all kinds everywhere. But there are these opportunities and I just wanted to take the opportunity to call out that this is, it's very clear that not just here, but especially here that those opportunities are being seized, identified and seized upon to the best of our ability, knowing that our staff is already stretched. So I did have a couple of comments here or, or had a question. So the role play for commissioners, I love this. It can be that the, parliamentary procedure process is one of those unclear <laughs> government complicated things that is very necessary and has a, a big role. But is there a, num a minimum number of participating commissioners to conduct a role play or how would that work if there was maybe just one or two commissioners? I'm just thinking like, how do they derive the value from that? Well, so I would hope that if we take the time to organize uh, that type of role playing that we would get more than one or two. Um, if we didn't, I know we would have at least uh, one of our attorneys and myself there, so we would get to to play member of the public or uh, commissioner if if there weren't enough folks present. Uh, I think if we take the time to organize it well and advertise it and boarding commission members aren't available or aren't interested, then that's a sign that maybe it's a one and done. They We don't need to do it again. Um, but if there's a lot of demand or even if one person, only one person is available at the time we pick, but they say, oh, we'd love to do it again, we can find a time to to do it. And uh, that's, you know, we've done that with training in the clerk's office where when I first started, we tried to do a training at least every quarter. Mm -hmm. And then some of the trainings, you know, the first time it was like 60 employees showed up. And then after that, like the people that were interested already took it. So then they we sort of dwindled down. And I think this is something where we would give it a try. And if there isn't a lot of interest, then we wouldn't keep doing it. Yeah. But if there is interest, we could keep moving on. Yeah, that makes sense, especially for the folks that are here. And there is some amount of turnover, but I'm even thinking, you know, the, there are those occasions where we interview just a couple folks and we've brought in just a few new commissioners. And for me, it, it, especially if there's really good response 
initially and commissioners give feedback, like that was really helpful to me. Like having some way to make sure those new folks, no fault of their own, that they're just one of a very small cohort getting brought in also have that opportunity. But I, I recognize that that does take time to organize. Well, I guess, you know, thinking about those sort of the kind of mid-year appointments, you know, we could offer the training again and say, you know, for those who have attended uh, in the past, we'd encourage you to come both to kind of get re-refreshed, but also to help your new colleagues um, learn how parliamentary procedure works. That's such a cool opportunity offering it is if you have some extra time, come and help out, you know, your new colleagues and welcome them, you know, that I think that that would be a lot of fun. So I, I appreciate that, um, that approach. But of course, this is predicated on whether the existing commissioners find value in this and if it's popular, and then we can know how to go forward. And we'll think. Um, I do. I, I really will appreciate having more detail for the minutes. But given that there's a lot of time, I wanted to just give my input on where that would be most helpful to me. So if it does come down to maybe we can't do it all, thinking, all right, but if we're going to do it, like these are the big ones. So for me, it's like controversial items, things that we know have a lot of passion on both sides. And for me as a council member, getting more nuance in that conversation and how that progressed is immensely helpful. And then items where there is public participation beyond just one or two, you know, regulars, people who normally come in, but that have generated a lot of public interest. For those two kinds of items, that detail would be particularly helpful, but recognizing that there's not always time or there's not always inclination or requests from the commissions to, to do that. I just wanted to narrow that down with some more detail. And then lastly, there is a piece of state legislation coming up this year that would permit boards and commissions to meet entirely remotely um, rather than in person. Whether that would be a requirement of cities to offer or whether that would just be something that would be permissible under the Brown Act is still unclear. The, the rationale that we have is sound, but I just wanted to flag that as something that may come up perhaps next year, perhaps it doesn't pass and perhaps they don't make it a requirement and then we can address that then. But it's something that I'm watching closely and um, it, it felt like an appropriate time to bring that up. Yeah, I believe that's it's targeted mostly at purely advisory um, bodies. Mm. So we do that's have uh, several boards and commissions that have final decision-making authority. So they, they wouldn't fall under that, at least as it, I've last seen it drafted. Um, but I think that would really align with kind of what council has wanted as far as boarding commissioner engagement and for boarding commission members, what they would like. So for where it's feasible, it's at least as I've last seen it drafted, right? It isn't mandatory, but it is something that, you know, on the technology side, simple, right? We already allow the public to participate remotely. So that that's the easy piece. It's really the Brown Act piece that makes it more complicated. And so depending on how that if it were to pass, what it looks like when it passes, it would certainly be a valuable tool for Sunnyvale. Awesome. And I'm not at all surprised that this is already on your radar. Are you keeping up with the how it's progressing in the drafts? Um, that all sounds really good. 
and uh, gives me a lot of confidence that we're going to be able to do that. And such an evolving thing, right? The Brown Act is going through its own revisions. But anyhow, that that's all I got. Thank you. Thank you very much, Councilmember Cisneros. Councilmember Melton. Yeah, thanks, Chair uh, Mellinger. I really appreciate you grabbing the steering wheel for the meeting today. And a couple of um, comments that I heard from my colleague, um, Council Member Cisnero, sort of resonate with me. The um, city of Sunnyvale has a policy about uh, Brown Act modernization. So I'm a huge cheerleader of whatever Sacramento can do to make things better and more efficient and match the reality of the world and the capabilities that we have. So I felt like I wanted to say that. And I also really appreciate Councilmember Cisneros' recognition, um, I feel, of city staff. And, you know, we take pride in Sunnyvale of being a responsive and responsible local government. And what we're doing right now today, Mr. Carnahan is an example of that. So I really appreciate um, the things that you heard where staff is taking action that you provided in your report to just make things um, be more efficient and effective for our boards and commissions. I appreciate that. I had a couple of thoughts um, from your list that I was typing down here, Mr. Carnahan, um, that I just wanted to mention. Um, really love the highlight reel of great parliamentary procedure examples that you mentioned. And, you know, we just had the Super Bowl on Sunday. And sometimes when they uh, do a replay of a really important play that just transpired, the color commentator will say, well, you know, they had a decision and in that instant in time, you could have done X or you could have done Y. Coach could have done X or Y, or the quarterback could have done X or Y. And I don't know if that's something that um, you'll be able to weave into the highlight reel, right? But the presiding officer had a choice at this moment in time to do X or Y. I just thought I would mention that. Um, well, I can tell you that I will eff uh, make an effort to have it be as entertaining as Super Bowl, but with potentially a different outcome at the end. <laughs> the next thing I wanted to, I'm sure it's going to be great, David. The next thing I wanted to mention is just uh, Russ Melton's thoughts here on meeting minutes from boards and commissions. And the reality I, I found myself in over the past year or so is if there's a board or commission meeting and they're touching on something that's coming down the pipe to city council and a sort of a hot button issue. I, I now know I can just pull up the YouTube of the meeting and I'll be honest, I can set it at 1.25 or 1.5 playback speed. I refer that as speed watching and I can get what I need pretty quickly from the replay of the border commission meeting. And let me just be totally honest. If there's a piece of um, the border commission meeting uh, where a question is asked, and I'm really well-versed on that topic. I already know what the answer to the question is. I can just blink forward 60 seconds, right? And that's what I really call speed watching the board and commission meeting to really get all the great work and the essence of the great work by um, the board and commission uh, to help fuel my understanding and policy perspective um, and advice from the boards and commissions to, to city council couple of other things. Um, boards and commissions meeting remotely. I totally get it. Sacramento is always tinkering with the Brown Act, but I just wanted to say I really support the staff administrative policy that says, you know, this is no dice for right now. And I get it because I understand that um, there's a lot that the city clerk's office is trying to accomplish. I really respect that. And the fact that 
our reality today is that we're unable to support uh, boards and commissioners meeting remotely is something that I'm comfortable with. And maybe that will change in the future, but I just felt like I wanted to say out loud that I'm okay with where that is. Um, and then I wanted to say to our assistant city manager, Sarah, I've said this to Kent any number of times, but since we're talking about boards and commissions, um, I've always said I am okay with staff liaisons being muscular on the parliamentary procedure stuff when necessary, because things can get a little hazy or um, dynamic. And there was an example several months ago um, at one of our board and commission meetings where a motion was made, was put on the floor, and then the conversation totally sidetracked and went multiple different directions. And um, after a couple of minutes, it was our staff liaison who with some muscularity sort of injected herself into the conversation, you know, just a reminder chair, you have a motion on the floor that you need to deal with. And it wasn't like trying to influence the outcome of the conversation. It was just making sure a, a good orderly status of the parliamentary stuff was maintained. And I, I always support um, staff being uh, muscular when necessary to keep things on the track. Um, so thank you for um, letting me share my comments. Thank you very much, Councilmember Melton. I have some thoughts as well. Um, so first of all, great work to staff. I really appreciate the thoroughness with which staff is addressing these issues, you know, especially these operational issues, um, things that we can just do. I think that's great. Um, so I'm just going to go through these uh, sort of in order um, on parking. I think that this is fantastic. Um, can we please make sure that when the parking garage is closed and that stops being the parking zone for the boards and commissions, that that is communicated very clearly a couple times. Um, and so let's see, because the last thing we want is uh, board and commissioners chasing around for parking, trying to find a spot and the meetings being delayed. Well, yeah, I think that that's something that we will communicate out to board and commission members. And then we also have uh, yet, yet another sign that says garage closed, parking, something like parking lot on all America way open or something that along those lines that will steer people right at the top of the garage around the corner to all America way. Perfect. Uh, but that's just sitting waiting, right? It's uh, so you don't get to see it today. It's yep. going to be a surprise. Um, on the new commissioner role-playing training, I think this is fantastic. I know we have some real parliamentary proce uh, procedure enthusiasts and experts among our boarding commissions. I think it would be great to consult with them. Um, one of the things that I do know exists, believe it or not, is there are parliamentary procedure competitions that that is actually a thing. Um, it might not be a bad idea to look a couple of those up as uh, possible sources of inspiration. There's one that is called, I believe, the Parley Pro. Um, where human beings will compete on anything. Um, definitely appreciate, you know, the uh reminder on staff presentations and uh the chair scripts as a as a former chair the more detailed scripts are extremely helpful um the electronic sturgis books i think that's a great addition one thing i would add is i know that we have a parliamentary procedure cheat sheet somewhere that is handed out to new commissioners as part of their packet um or at least was when i was a commissioner um, making sure that's on the board and commission's resource page. I, I'm not sure if it is or not, but if it's not, I think it would be great to have that up there. Um, oh, coming back to the parliamentary procedure role-playing idea. 
I think this could be great, not just for uh, boarding commissioners, but for members of the public to be able to participate in. Uh, parliamentary procedure is a critical skill, not just for work in government, but for any sort of social or civil society organization. Um, and providing that sort of education to, you know, making sure this event is open to members of the public uh, to at least observe is something that I think uh, would be very helpful. And, uh, you know, I definitely recommend advertising that through to our neighborhood associations and our local civil society organizations. Um, parliamentary procedure in action. Again, you know, I think uh, uh, it might I think it's great to be looking at City of Sunnyvale resources. There may be uh, some great resources that already exist online that might be able to help with this as well. Um, in terms, so uh, moving on to seven, the minutes. Um, the big thing for me on the minutes, I think there is largely an appropriate level of detail currently, except for one thing, which is a lot of the time when I am reading the minutes, um, it will say commissioner so-and-so asked uh, staff about X and it will have a quite detailed description of what commissioner so-and-so asked about. And then it will just say staff responded to the question. And even a one sentence summary of staff's answer when reviewing those minutes is something that I think would be really helpful. Um, if So that would be something, you know, if we're going to ask for anything that would be providing more detail on the minutes, that's what I would say would be the most helpful bang for the buck uh, on my own review process. So I think we can pass along a lot of this feedback to the uh, staff liaisons that prepare meeting minutes. Uh, I can tell you that frequently, at least uh, when the, your city clerk answers questions, uh, my answers tend to be longer than the question. So uh, summarizing the response into a sentence could be uh, quite a challenge depending on what the question is and what the response is. But I think that is something we can pass along and as there's capacity. Well, there's the old line from Twain. I didn't have time to write you a short letter, so I wrote you a long one. Um, worst case paste the transcript, but, um, you know, if even a little bit of additional detail would be helpful, there would be helpful for me. And I think for members of the public as well. Um, let's see here. Uh, definitely agree with, you know, not having board and commission meetings remote, the load on staff would be too great. And the load on staff is already too great, frankly. Um, so I'm going to, I, fully in agreement with the existing policy there, you know, resharing the parliamentary procedures reference as great stuff. Uh, and the bike lockers, yes, I've personally wheeled my bike into these chambers many a time. Um, there were a couple other things I wanted to flag. Um, Council member Melton mentioned muscularity from the staff liaisons on enforcing parliamentary procedure. Um, I have had as a council liaison to wait in a couple times to get people out of a little bit of a, a knot on parliamentary procedure. Um, I definitely am supportive of making sure that our staff liaisons uh, feel empowered to do that and that they've got the resources and training to be able to do that. Um, I think that's really important to ensuring that meetings continue smoothly. Um, a couple things I wanted to raise that are not on this list, but still fall under the operational category. Um, so 
One thing that I think is important is possibly doing a refresher on the Brown Act and in particular the concept of serial meetings uh, with our boards and commissions because we have had a couple of incidents in the past year. Um, I want to make sure that, you know, everyone understands, you know, this is what a serial meeting is. This is how many you're allowed to talk to. Um, so that would be one thing. The other thing um, was that earlier this year, uh, one of our boards and commissions got given the wrong study issue list for ranking. Um, and as a result of that, they had to have a special meeting. Um, and so what I would suggest is for the study issue ranking sessions for boards and commissions, if staff can reach out to the commission chair a week in advance, let's say, and make sure that the list looks accurate to them, you know, obviously who ranks what is an operational decision with city staff, but just making sure that there's that double check in there um, could help us avoid the need to have more special meetings on this in the future. Um, and with that, I believe that does it for my thoughts on this. And thank you again, staff, for a great presentation. Uh, moving on to public comment. Members of the public will now have an opportunity to address the subcommittee on topics. Uh, hold on a moment. Um, members of the public will now have an opportunity to address the subcommittee on this item. Uh, as stated in the beginning of the meeting, the subcommittee meeting is considered a limited public forum and the subcommittee can regulate the time, place and manner of speech. Speaker comments during public comment uh, must be limited to this agenda item. If a speaker does not speak to a matter within this agenda item, the presiding officer will rule the speaker out of order to allow the subcommittee to conduct its business in a reasonably efficient manner and to protect the rights of other speakers. The presiding officer will not rule speech out of order because the presiding officer disagrees with the content of the speaker's speech. A reminder to the public, please submit a speaker card to the city clerk, raise your digital hand now, or dial star nine on a telephone if you wish to address the subcommittee. I will call on members of the public participating in person first. The city clerk will then ask remote participants to unmute their microphones when it is their turn to address uh, su the subcommittee. Speakers will have three minutes. Is there anyone interested in addressing the subcommittee on this item? Uh, yes, Chair, we have one card, speaker card coming your way for an in-person comment. Thank you very much. Uh, Mr. Kesting. Thank you so much for uh, having me here today. Um, you know, I, I am new to being a chair uh, and I didn't really have a clear understanding about what was going on at the meeting uh, the last at, at city council, the last go around. Um, and as a result, I didn't have, you know, ideas to present. Uh, so I kept my mouth shut and listened. Uh, and then the next day or two, I followed up with an email to you uh, about things that I thought would be good to have. And I just want to make sure that those ideas were heard, they were read, because uh, it's quite possible they won't. Uh, so of those, um, number one was enhanced communication engagement, uh, that commissioners often struggle to locate study sessions and public outreach opportunities revel re relevant to the commission. For instance, public outreach meetings such as those shaping the Corn Palace or the Lakewood Plan Parks. And these are quite crucial for direct public input. However, commissioners may not always be aware of these opportunities. I mean, you just don't know that this is what's going on. Uh, you don't hear about it. You might be subscribed to these links, but you don't really know about it. 
So I propose that commissioners be automatically included in notifications for all meetings related to their commissions, especially public outreach events. Additionally, including city council meetings where commission related items are discussed would ensure commissioners are well informed. Number two, uh, increased familiarity with the city process. Well, just going back. So, so like for Corn Palace, yeah, sometimes you don't hear about these meetings that are happening. If we enrolled commissioners automatically into uh, public outreach meetings, I think that would really benefit from the commissioners showing up at those meetings to help out uh, and, and help develop those concepts. Uh, increased familiar, familiarity with city processes uh, would be the second option, the second idea. The deepen commissioners' understandings of city staff processes influenced by commission work, I recommend organizing visits from the commission to city offices during office hours. Uh, these visits would provide valuable insight into how staff operations are impacted by commission decisions. Uh, you know, take a commissioner to work day. Uh, the idea that I can actually find out what Jim Stark does uh, would help benefit me uh, to being a better commissioner. And number three, the expanded dialogue on study issues. To encourage a more open exchange of ideas and to foster creativity within the commission, I propose allocating dedicated time during meetings to discuss potential study issues. Currently, due to Brown Act restrictions, commissioners are limited to discussing items not formally on the agenda. And this hampers commission's ability, commission's ability to openly brainstorm and devise public policy solutions for community challenges. So the idea would be there would be time on the commission slot to discuss what ideas we could put forward that would be good policy uh, and, and derive that, come, come up with new ideas for solutions to, to, to public problems, uh, and then further develop them uh, on a listed agenda item. Thank you so much for your time today. Uh, I'm sure you guys heard what I had to say. Thank you very much, Mr. Kesting. Are there any other members of the public in the room wishing to address the subcommittee? Seeing and hearing none, uh, Mr. City Clerk, are there any members of the public online wishing to address the subcommittee? Uh, yeah. Yes, Chair. First is Charlene L., followed by Agnes V. Charlene, you've been unmuted, and you have three minutes to address the subcommittee. Yes, hi. Thanks for taking my input. I'm Charlene Liu, and I am a commissioner on BPAC. I want to comment about the need for minutes, the full minutes, like two-sided minutes. So up until recently, BPAC's minutes were one-sided. The commissioner would have, would be documented, but the response from staff would not. And as a commissioner, when I'm reviewing the minutes, I, to look for something, it's, it's um, not useful for me because I can't get the information I need from reading the minutes. I actually have to go to the video. Um, so that makes the minutes not useful for me. Um, I would I would really appreciate having two-sided minutes for the entire meeting, not just the ones that are controver controversial and coming up for council meeting as a commissioner. I'm interested in the whole meeting, and there's many times where I wanted to look something up in a previous BPAC meeting, um, and it's, it would have been helpful to have the two-sided minutes. For example, recently in the last minutes, which actually have been improved um, to be partly two-sided, and I really appreciate that, that staff took the time to do that, but part of the minutes were still one-sided. So um, an example of the one-sided ones was um, a commissioner had asked, what are the ways that a commissioner could get some new agenda item put in the agenda? 
And then the minutes said staff responded by saying there are two ways. But and that was the end of the response of what was recorded recorded in the minutes. But as a commissioner, I would have wanted to um, read what those two ways were. That's the you know the meat of the information um, that I think is valuable to have in the minutes. So, um, and I want to say you, it doesn't have to be like a turn a dialogue turn by dialogue turn minutes. So if it makes it easier, and I think it also makes it more readable to paraphrase what was said, that is fine with me, as long as the important content is left in there. So it could be like, um, commissioner so-and-so was interested in clarifying X, and then staff said that here are blah, blah, blah. So that that is fine, even if that took six dialogue turns and instead it was um it was summarized in one informative paragraph that's fine thank you very much thank you very much uh, mr city clerk may, may we have the next speaker next up is agnes v agnes you've been unmuted and you have three minutes to address the subcommittee Thank you, Mr. Carnahan. I'm Agnes Veith. I chair the Arts Commission. And this afternoon, I'm speaking on my own behalf. When um, chairs and vice chairs met with council, I had suggested that uh, commissioners be involved in the interview process when seats become available on their commission. And I'm just following up on that, um, on my suggestion and wondering if there's been any movement on that. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ms. Veith. And I believe that will be discussed as part of agenda item two this afternoon. Yes, that is correct. And Chair, that was the final remote public speaker at this time. Thank you very much. I'd like to bring this back to my colleagues now. Uh, Council Member Melton or Cisneros, do you have any uh, comments or questions? Council Member Cisneros. Thank you. And I appreciate uh, the points made by Commissioner Melton regarding the detailed agendas and how for us, like, yeah, absolutely, I would say nine times out of 10, I'm able to go back and look at that commission, uh, the video footage of, of that item in that commission, if I hadn't attended it or watched it in real time. But there is that one out of 10 times where life doesn't quite work out that you have the, uh, bandwidth to do that. And that's, that's just life. Um, and so, especially cause we are a quote unquote part-time council. Right. Uh, but I, I was thinking about it and, and that more detailed aspect on the more controversial items or the, the items where the public is, is very involved, even where it wouldn't normally be, would also be helpful to the public. Right. Who I, I think that uh, we had a member of the public now saying like, yeah, if you, I don't have this information, I need to go back to the video. And uh, what that indicated to me is I, I don't think that, you know, most residents or, you know, in some cases, even commissioners have the bandwidth to go back and do that. So I, I feel like it's also providing that public service. I know that they were mostly referencing the, the two sided, um, you know, question and response. Uh, format for the uh, minutes, but uh, yeah, I, I think that to the extent we can make it our process and discussions more clear for the public and and help the commissioners understand more things um, as well outside of 
them actually being in that meeting or even referencing information from previous meetings would be helpful, you know, to the extent that that's possible, um, knowing that staff has bandwidth and can't get to everything probably, but just figuring out how to prioritize there. Um, yeah, and I, I think for the rest of it, I'm prepared to save it for another item, but thank you. Excellent. Th thank you very much, Council Member Cisneros, Council Member Milton. Yeah, thanks, Chair Mellinger. I, I really appreciate um, where Council Member Cisneros is coming from. Um, here's something that has, has not changed since I first became a council member seven years ago. And then I'll tell you a thing that has changed since I became a council member seven years ago. One thing that hasn't changed is that there will always be a yin and a yang for how in depth the minute should be. And I, I don't know what the correct answer is. And I believe that it'll fluctuate over time. I've heard it um, stated all manner of ways that meetings should be just pure action minutes with no flavor or anything. And I've heard it um, said the complete opposite. And I respect all the viewpoints. So that tension has always been there for as long as I've been on the scene, and it probably will continue to be that way in the future. The thing that has changed um, is when I started as a council member, we had videos of council and the planning commission, and that was it. And that that was a time and an era where if there was something really interesting or noteworthy at BPAC or Arts Commission or wherever, and you didn't have the minutes, that would be a real bona fide information gap. Um, and as I said before, I, I've just maneuvered myself into a reality where I just find myself going to look at the video and and uh, with the video you can see the replay of the conversation but also the nuance and the subtlety of tones of voice and body language that might be captured by the camera so uh, that, that's just the reality where I've ended up in terms of needing to get something from a commission meeting and what advice they're providing to council, I, I find myself going to the video. So thank you again. Thank you very much, council member Melton. Um, I'm going to say that I do uh, fall down on, you know, having as uh, I think uh, one of the members of the public called it the two-sided minutes. And the reason for that is um, yes, we have these video resources. They are great if you are trying to review an entire meeting or even just a single agenda item in a meeting. Definitely, that's the way to go. Where text is really helpful is if you're trying to just find this one thing. And because text is searchable uh, and because it's scannable, that is a lot easier than trying to find the needle in the video. Um, so, for instance, uh, staff responded to the question, if I want to find just that one particular response in the video, I have to sort of scan around, find the agenda item, find, you know, who was talking. It's a bit of a chore. Um, and I also, you know, I do want to be mindful of how much we're putting on staff. Um, but I do think that having, you know, brief context, uh, you know, on these responses, especially since we already are including the commission members' questions. I do think that would be very helpful. Um, Mr. City Clerk, do you feel you have a clear direction on this or would a straw vote or a motion be helpful to you? Um, so this is a presentation item on operational issues. So uh, I don't think a motion would be appropriate. I, I do hear uh, various perspectives on how much detail you'd like to hear. Uh, I. 
especially the logic of if we're putting in, there was a, here's what the question was, it would be helpful to put what the answer was. Uh, but keeping in mind that, you know, none of the staff that prefer meeting minutes are uh, secretaries preparing mm -hmm. meeting minutes, right? This is a component of their job. Uh, hopefully you haven't noticed how far behind uh, I am on your <laughs> meeting minutes, which are less detailed, but we've had meeting after meeting. So, I mean, it's a, it's a very important part of what staff mm -hmm. does, but the same people that are working on your meeting minutes and working on boarding commission meeting minutes are also responding to questions from boarding commission members and the public and prepping for their next meeting. So I think, you know, we can take this feedback back and see what uh, boarding commission staff liaisons can do to uh, beef up some of the minutes, but in particular, you know, if they're going to detail out a question, detail out at least some part of the answer. Otherwise, you know, there's not in order to keep, things caught up and keep minutes mm -hmm. not backing up uh, and having staff not get behind on other items, there's not a huge capacity to prepare much more detailed minutes. Understood. And I think that's a, an appropriate balance. All right. Uh, do my colleagues have any other thoughts or questions? All right. Thank you very much. We are now going to move on to oral communications. Uh, Members of the public will now have an opportunity to address the subcommittee on topics not listed on this afternoon's agenda. This section is limited to 15 minutes and may be extended or continued after the general business section of the agenda. Individuals are limited to one appearance with a maximum of up to three minutes per speaker. As stated at the beginning of the meeting, this subcommittee meeting is considered a limited public forum and the subcommittee can regulate the time, place and manner of speech. Speaker comments during public comment must be limited to matters within the subcommittee's authority to address, generally referred to as within the subject, subcommittee's subject matter jurisdiction. If a speaker does not speak to a matter within the subcommittee's subject matter jurisdiction, the presiding officer will rule the speaker out of order to allow the subcommittee to conduct its business in a reasonably efficient manner and to protect the rights of other speakers. The presiding officer will not rule speech out of order because the presiding officer disagrees with the content of the speaker's speech. A reminder to the public, please submit a speaker card to the city clerk, raise your digital hand now, or dial star nine on a telephone if you wish to address the subcommittee. I will call on members of the public participating in person first, then the subcommittee will ask remote participants to unmute their microphone when it is their turn to address the subcommittee. Speakers will have three minutes to speak. Are there any members of the public in the room wishing to address the subcommittee under oral communications? Seeing and hearing none, Mr. Carnahan, are there any members of the public online wishing to address this uh, subcommittee on oral communications? No, Chair. Thank you very much. I'm going to close the public hearing on oral communications. Uh, we will now move on to the consent calendar. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and open public comment on consent calendar items unless we have a poll. Uh, opening public comment on consent calendar items, members of the public wishing to address the subcommittee, please submit a speaker card to the city clerk, raise your digital hand now or dial star nine on telephone to indicate you wish to speak. I'll call on members of the public participating in person first, then the city clerk will ask remote participants to unmute their microphone when it is their turn to address the subcommittee. Speakers will have X, uh, three minutes to speak. Are there any members of the public wishing to address the subcommittee on the consent calendar in the room? Seeing and hearing none, Mr. Carnahan, are there any members of the public wishing to address the uh, subcommittee on the consent calendar online? No, Chair. 
Thank you very much. I'm going to close the public hearing. Uh, I believe Council Member Melton, do you have a motion? Yes, move 1A. Council Member Cisneros? Second. Thank you very much. Any discussion? Seeing none. Mr. Carnahan, uh, may we have the roll call vote, please? First up, Member Melton, how do you vote? Yes. Member Mellinger? Yes. Member Cisneros? Yes. The motion carries 3-0. Thank you very much. We are now moving on to agenda item two of the subcommittee uh, meeting. Let me find this here. Uh, that is now agenda item two, file 24-0302. Policy suggestions for subcommittee consideration identified at the November 14th, 2023 joint meeting of city council with board and commission chairs and vice chairs and potential subcommittee recommendations to council regarding council policy 7.2.19 boards and commissions. Uh, is there a staff presentation? Uh, yes, chair and subcommittee members, David Carnahan, the city clerk. So uh, during the joint subcommittee, uh, we uh, the joint study session between the chairs and vice chairs last year, there were a number of uh, operational topics that we just discussed and then a number of policy uh, suggestions that were brought up. So they are here for your consideration. The first one was uh, when a board or a commission considers a study issue that was generated by a different board or a commission, uh, having uh, the originating commission kind of communicate reasoning for the study issue over. Uh, and the current practice is that, you know, during public comment, boarding commission members individually could do so, or the chair is, is welcome to go and participate, but there isn't a formal process uh, for that. Uh, the second idea that staff captured as, as a policy area uh, would be to have a boarding commission report where if a board or a commission didn't approve the staff recommendation, the report uh, that the commission itself or board could come up with a, a report to include. Uh, and while this isn't a current practice, the, the staff report, which we kind of consider a cover report of something that has gone to a board or a commission, we put what we call a cover report on top that summarizes the board or commission's action. So this, while not drafted by the board or commission members, uh, should, should largely align with this right, this suggestion or request. Uh, and then, of course, the, the chair or other members are welcome to come speak to council. Uh, typically, the chair is the person that is authorized to come and report back uh, to council on the deliberations at the board or commission. Uh, and then uh, we did have a member of the public call in today uh, checking in on this uh, suggestion, which is to have a board or a commission to have a, a current seating, sitting member participate in the appointment process. Uh, and currently the council policy for appointments, it's done strictly by city council, uh, but community members and boarding commission members are always welcome to provide uh, emailed public comment to council or provide public comment uh, during the meeting. Uh, and then the topic of creating a transportation commission or adjusting the scope of the, an existing commission such as BPAC or sustainability commission to include more transportation issues was raised. Uh, and then, you know, do just want to highlight that the city does work very closely with a number of other agencies uh, through council members that are appointed to the Santa Clara Valley Expressway 2040 uh, group, uh, several VTA uh, boards and committees, the Caltrain Local Policymaker Group, uh, and then council does also make an appointment uh, to VTA's uh, BPAC. Uh, and so, you know, the while there isn't a, a, poli a 
commission that's dedicated to strictly transportation issues. A lot of these topics are still covered in other ways uh, in the city. Uh, and then there was a, a suggestion to expand the Arts Commission's scope to include both arts and culture. Uh, however, just a note on that, you know, if subcommittee is welcome to take whatever action and recommendation to council, but there, the Human Relations Commission includes in its scope uh, advising council on issues pertaining to parks, open space, playgrounds, entertainment, and other cultural and rec recreational activities. And then there was a suggestion to expand the scope of the Heritage Preservation Commission to include more community engagement and Sunnyvale history. Uh, and so currently, you know, the commission uh, has an advisory capacity to council uh, and then a certain decision-making authority for restoration and maintenance. Uh, and then all boards and commissions are charged with providing a forum uh, for community uh, input. Uh, and then the seventh policy area that staff captured is part of the discussion, uh, providing a clear method for board and commission members to add agenda items that don't require staff work. Uh, and so, you know, currently boarding commission members are, are welcome to suggest ideas to staff liaisons to add to the agenda. Uh, and then those items uh, can be included either in the work plan or brought forward if there's something that is relatively urgent and the staff liaison wants to, uh, you know, get that going quickly. Uh, and then the sustainability commission does occasionally hear presentation items from commissioners. Uh, and those presentations are included in the sustainability commission's work plan. Uh, and other commissions could follow that process. Uh, I think just one kind of caveat is that, you know, presentations from commissioners can be very valuable, but they do take some time. I uh, have went to several boards and commissions recently as we implemented this new technology, and there was an hour and a half uh, presentation at the beginning of a sustainability commission meeting, and it adds value, but it does mean that the other items that are on their work plan get pushed in later into the evening. Um, and then, you know, a presentation may not take staff work, but if there's going to be any effective recommendation to council or policy change, it's relatively difficult. I can't imagine how that would end up not requiring staff support um, down the line. So it's just uh, something to think about is making sure that boards and commissions can still get all their work plan items done. Uh, and then this agenda item uh, was purposefully noticed so that it, we the subcommittee could discuss the policy suggestions from that study session. And then if there are other policy areas that the subcommittee wanted to discuss, those would be appropriate to uh, include. And that concludes the staff recommendation. And we're open to hearing uh, you know, direction from the subcommittee and questions and comments from council and the public or the subcommittee and the public. Thank you very much, Mr. City Clerk. Uh, do I have any comments from my colleagues? All right. Uh, seeing and hearing none, why don't we just open the public comment? Uh, are there any members of the public? Uh, let me read my script. I will go ahead and open the public hearing on this specific item. Members of the public wishing to address the subcommittee, please submit a speaker card to the city clerk. Raise your digital hand now or dial star nine on a telephone to indicate you wish to speak. I will call on members of the public participating in person first. Then the city clerk will ask remote participants to unmute their microphone when it is their turn to address the subcommittee. Speakers will have three minutes to speak. Uh, are there any members of the public in the room wishing to address the subcommittee on this item? Seeing and hearing none, are there any members of the public online wishing to address the subcommittee on this item? Uh, yes, Chair. First is Charlene L. Charlene, you have been unmuted and you have three minutes to address the subcommittee. 
Yes, thank you, Charlene Liu of BPAC. I would like to speak first on the policy recommendation number seven, which is to provide a clear method for the board and commission members to add agenda items that do not require staff report. So I strongly support this policy. I think it could significantly increase the effectiveness of boards and commissions from a bottoms up approach. And I think that's that's uh, valuable for the council. I'd like you to further consider specifying in this policy that the board and commission led agenda item be allowed to be added in the near term and not have to wait until the following year's work plan. Seeing that this, this commissioner led agenda item would not take as much staff time, hopefully that could be achieved. I also like you to consider letting these commissioner led agenda items be actionable. Having them be actionable would allow the board and commission to communicate up to the council what the board and commission recommends regarding the topic that was presented. Allowing the items to be actionable improves communication from the boards and commissions to the council. An example of a BPAC-led agenda item could be the new state legislation AB 43, which is the new speed limit law. A BPAC commissioner could present the law and a list of streets in Sunnyvale that qualify to have their speed limits lowered. BPAC could then vote at the end of this agenda item to make a recommendation to council to study and implement this law where appropriate. Council can choose to agendize this topic in its work plan as an actionable item for a future agenda. And that would be, or the council could choose not to do anything, but at least the council would know about it. And I think that is valuable. A couple other quick comments about two other policy suggestions. Number, the first policy suggestion, which is the border commission consider a steady issue generated by a different board and commission um, that when that happens, the originating board and commission be able to communicate the reasoning for the steady issue. And I support this policy suggestion. And I would also suggest that the uh, the originating, originating board and commission meeting, that the board and commission members assign responsibilities at the meeting to on who will speak at the different board and commission meetings. And this way it's clear and um, clear to them when and who will be doing it so that it actually gets done. And then my other suggestion is for policy suggestion number two, provide a board and commission report in the reports to council where the board and commission did not move the staff recommendation. So I generally support this policy as well, but I would like to expand it to include a report when even the commission does not, um, I mean, agrees with the staff just because they might have different reasons. Thanks. Thank you very much. Are there any additional speakers, Mr. City Clerk? Uh, no, Chair. Thank oh, you. Oh, actually, yes. Uh, we just had a hand come up. Uh, next up is Agnes V. Agnes, you've been unmuted and you have three minutes to address the subcommittee. Thank you for acknowledging me again, um, Vice, or I should say Chair for the Arts Commission, speaking on my own behalf. I understand that in the past, and it sounds like going forward, Council wants to be um, the body of individuals who select um, Commission and board members. My question, though, would be, is it possible when a vacancy opens up on a Commission that the commissioners provide council with questions that they would like to ask them um, to have the interviews 
E's answer. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr. City Clerk. That was the final remote public speaker for this agenda item. Thank you very much. I'm going to close the public hearing on this item now and bring it back to my colleagues. Do we have any comments or questions? Councilmember Melton. Yeah, thank you. I'm just interested in the chair's opinion on sort of the procedure of the upcoming conversation. By the way, I really appreciate the perspectives of our members of the public who have phoned in. Um, I sort of have in my mind, Chair Mellinger, we, we just take these sequentially, kick around item one, then item two, and okay, thank you very much. I think that works. Um, why don't we start with uh, Commissioner's thoughts on item one? Uh, so uh, being able to communicate reasoning on study issues uh, cross commission. Uh, do any of my colleagues have thoughts on this? Councilmember Melton. Yeah, thanks, Chair. Um, I I really appreciate um, the desire of our boards and commissions to collaborate within the confines of the Brown Act, which is a thing that exists. Um, I used to serve on the Planning Commission. I served there for four and a half years, and every once in a while there would be some um, cross-sectionality of something that the Planning Commission was touching that would also involve Housing and Human Services, for example. Um, the, the way I look at item one is um, it is always possible for a board or commissioner uh, from Commission X to appear at um, Commission Y's meeting and make public comment um, that that can achieve um, the sort of cross-pollination and understanding of where the other commission is coming from. And I'm just trying to, to um, read into um, some of the um, suggestions or public comment that's been made that this would instead of being an optional thing that the commissions could work out via public comment would be more of a mandatory thing or a prescriptive thing. Um, and I feel like I'm comfortable um, with the current process that we have where it can be achieved through public comment. Those are just my opening thoughts. Really interested in hearing um, the thoughts of my colleagues. Thank you. Thank you very much, Councilmember Cisneros. Yeah, thank you. And and I just wanted to say, like, as far as, and I agree with what my colleague just mentioned about, especially in regards to the Brown Act, right, operating within that framework and wanting to make sure that there are clear, bright lines that we are following those rules at all times. And once you get into this realm, it starts to become a little sticky and murky. And I foresee some you know, it, it's really easy to to overstep a line that fuzzy. And, and it's to the extent, and I've even seen council members, uh, you know, someone sitting with me up here, go to a board and commission meeting to, as a member of the public. And, and that was appropriate given the balance of the Brown Act and our rights as, uh, you know, not just people who, uh, serve the city in in a capacity, but also we are still residents at the end of the day. And if something moves us to uh, give comment to you know formally register our opinion, that is absolutely what should be done. Uh, or you know we have the right is at least within our rights to do. So I, I would encourage. Um, you know, it is a lot to go and read through all the agendas and keep up with things. Absolutely. But if that is something that you're particularly interested in giving comment cross board and commission, 
encourage you to do it. Um, and I feel that that is how we best stay within the bounds of the laws that we must follow, but also reminding that there is a spirit. And I, I just want to say that I so appreciate the level of involvement and desire for engagement I'm hearing from our commissioners. That's coming across loud and clear to me. Um, and that's a wonderful thing. I want to encourage that. And so in addition to that, please, if you do give comment, please feel free to forward with that on to council flagging for us. I gave comment to this commission. I would love to see that and, and just know that that intercommission dialogue is happening. And rather than have a formal process that we would be notified of, that's something you're welcome to do um, just so that we're aware. And I, and I would love to hear that. Yeah, th those are the thoughts that I have on that. Thank you very much, Councilmember Cisneros. I also have a couple thoughts on this, uh, largely aligned with my colleagues. Uh, commissioners are always welcome to send letters to other commissions. They are always welcome to attend and give public comment at other commissions' meetings. Furthermore, the chair is of a commission is empowered to speak on behalf of that commission to other commissions as well as to city council. Um, and I think the only thing I would add here you know, we talked a little bit earlier about, you know, making sure that the commissions have a chance to see, you know, what study issues are assigned to whom, you know, making sure that commissions have, a, you know, get the list of who's reviewing what with the dates could be helpful for that. But um, I don't believe there is a policy change that's needed here, um, you know. And, you know, perhaps one of the, and this is this actually shows up in a few other places here. I'm looking at a few of these items and thinking, this is basically solved by public comment. Um, and I think perhaps reminding the commissioners that they are members of the public, they are empowered to write to other commissions, to address commissions during public comment, to seek private meetings with other uh, commissioners on other bodies. Um, I think that that would be a good thing uh, to just remind them as part of their training that this is a thing that they can still do. Um, with that, do we have any further comments on item one? All right, item two, provide a board commission report in reports to council where the board and commission did not move the staff recommendation. Uh, do my colleagues have any thoughts on this? Council member Melton. Yeah, thanks, I'm, I'm happy to go first. Um, uh, I, I want to acknowledge um, something that changed along the way in the time that I've been a council member, um, somebody uh, figured out that the report to the border commission can automatically flop into attachment one for the report to council. Uh, that's been a really interesting thing because what used to happen back in, in the ancient times is staff would essentially have to recreate the report to the planning commission and just redo all of that as a report to council. And now in certain instances, uh, exhibit one or attachment one to council is the report to the planning commission or the report to the BPAC commission. So that, that already sets the stage where I can now see for myself what was staff communicating directly to the BPAC or the planning commission or the arts commission or, or whomever, right? So I already have that framework going. And uh, I, I acknowledge uh, I'm kind of a broken record here, uh, but if I sense just reading the materials presented to council that um, 
the commission went in a different direction than staff recommendation, baby, I'm firing up YouTube. And I'm going to just watch that dialogue. I'm going to speed watch it like I described before. Um, so I, I can just mention that as an example of how I handle it. Um, and just hearkening back to prior discussions about minutes or um, cover reports or, you know, staff is uh, presenting in a written format, you know, what the planning commission decided and what were some of the highlights of what they decided in, in the report to council. So I, I feel like I have a good level of comfort. Um, and then... Um, I wanted to just weave in something here uh, because it, it came up. It was the fact that the BPAC had to take a second shot at ranking the study issues. These things happen. We get it. I, I want to say I, I watched on YouTube that BPAC commission meeting, uh, the second one, and I thought that was an awesome, incredible discussion of policy and ranking. They handed the uh, motion to rescind uh, professionally and according to Sturgis, and then they hammered out an excellent professional discussion in terms of what to, in their opinion, to drop, defer, and rank. And so I just felt like I wanted to weave that into my um, discussion here um, and all available on YouTube. Thank you for letting me kick off the conversation. Thank you very much, Councilmember Melton. Councilmember Cisneros. Yeah, thank you. Um, I've seen really good examples of this done by commission chairs in particular, where there have been occasions for a few commissions where there is that dissenting opinion. And I totally agree with my colleagues saying when I see there was a dissenting opinion, that is a sign, flag, go watch it. Because that di there's no replacement for actually seeing the dialogue. And, and what's being asked here or how I've interpreted it or understood it is that there would be that opinion to go ahead and have that in, in the packet itself. Now, when the public submits comment before an item that does become part of the packet, um, and I'm not sure if that could be bumped up or what the solution to that would be, because I think that's what's being asked. But back to the good example, there have been occasions where the commission chair has gone and provided a, a summary in their capacity as chair of that dissenting opinion, why the commission reached that opinion, pulling in that conversation in a narrative and provided that to council via email. There have been occasions where they've reached out directly, uh, to me at least, to go ahead and talk that through and answer questions. I found that immensely helpful. And then, of course, being empowered to go speak in an official capacity at the council meeting to provide that context to the public directly. I found those things immensely helpful. And I'm not, you know, quite seeing where that that hole is there. If there was a dissenting opinion, I could see there being room in the packet, in the staff report to to call out more explicitly the commission dissented from that. And, uh, you know, if the chair is not able to make it to the meeting, hopefully there is a commission member who can go speak um, to the issue. But I, I feel that that's sufficient for right now. I would love to, you know, provide information on those available processes to the chairs and to the commissions more explicitly to go say, hey, this is an option. And, and some other commissions have done this and made it their practice. You might consider doing that. And let's just see how that goes. Thank you very much, Council Member Cisneros. I'm going to uh, agree with my colleagues that 
uh, as with item one, uh, public comment and the chair's authority to send letters to council mostly addresses these issues, uh, this issue. Um, what I will say, I seem to recall that last year we had a commissioner who was specifically included in a presentation and given a set amount of time rather than being handled as public comment. Uh, Mr. City Clerk, do you uh, do you remember that? I think this was Commissioner Lou from BPAC. I don't remember what the item was. Um, that that sounds familiar, uh, like that did occur. Uh, you know, and, and the typical practice is uh, chairs have wrapped their chair comments up within their three minutes. Mm -hmm. um, but it is, I think it would be within the prerogative of the chair if they wanted to grant them uh, additional time to speak you know, separately in their capacity as chair from their capacity as a member of the public. Great. So so what I'm hearing is that this is something that the mayor or the presiding officer can already allow for. I would encourage commissioners and chairs who are interested in taking advantage of this opportunity to speak to the mayor or presiding officer ahead of time. Um, you know, again, the uh, chair or their designate is authorized to speak and send letters on behalf of their commission. Um, one thing, and you know, the question of including it in the packet, um, you know, if staff could make clear to the commission chair, you know, when do you need to have this letter in for it to be included in the packet? I think that'd be great. Um, we do sometimes, but uh, from what I've seen, inconsistently include public comments and letters received in the packets. Um, if it's a practice that typically relates to land use public hearing mm -hmm. items more than uh, general and uh, that makes sense public items that makes a lot of sense um you know giving giving the uh, chairs the op the opportunity if they can get their letter in in time to have it included in the packet is something that I think would be a fine process a fine thing to do if that would not add too much work onto staff mm -hmm. oh, we could take that suggestion um it is it is feasible. Um, I know we we oftentimes are trying to rush from a commission meeting to a council meeting mm -hmm. and just getting the staff cover report reviewed and approved, right? We're trying to we're trying to find that balance right of not yep. being the government that is stagnant and slow, but is has the right appropriate public engagement, but also moves quickly. And that leads that the administrative steps to be as compressed as possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would say this is a thing to be done only if it is not too inconvenient. How's that? Um, and again, commission members certainly have the option to send letters to council. Those letters do become part of the public record. Um, they are PRAable. Uh, and they are certainly also welcome to post the letters themselves publicly. Um, all right. So I think that does it for item two. Item three, allow one member of each border commission to participate in the appointment process for other members of their border commission. Uh, Council Member Melton. Yeah, thank you. I'll, I'll kick off um, a discussion on item three. Uh, the first thing I want to say uh, is to our arts uh, commission chairperson, Agnes Faith. Agnes, thank you for the suggestion. Um, you will always, Agnes, have my admiration for the work that you and Chuck F. did on the housing element uh, as part of the Livable Sunnyvale subcommittee. And I know there were a lot of people that are involved in that. But Agnes, I'm always going to remember you and Chuck as the real community thought leaders on that. And I want you to continue um, to 
uh, do that role here in the city of Sunnyvale. I appreciate you, Agnes. Um, I, I was thinking after after um, Agnes, your comments uh, at the um, chair and vice chair council um, meeting, what I feel like I heard you say was what was written here in the staff report, which would be allow one member of each board and commission to participate in the appointment process for other members of the board and commission. I actually serve on um, an agency, the Local Agency Formation Commission of Santa Clara County. That's a state agency. Each of the 58 counties in California is required by the state to have a LAFCO. So there are 58 LAFCOs and the composition of the LAFCOs vary from county to county. But one thing uh, that you'll find in common is that each LAFCO has a public member and the process for appointing the public member is that the other commissioners appoint the public member to the board. So I've seen this before, and it works for LAFCO because the legislature in its wisdom said, there's no way that we, the legislature, can handle appointing public members to each of the 58 LAFCOs. So we're going to delegate that to each of the LAFCOs and leave it up to you to figure out who the public member is going to be. So I get that. I feel in the city of Sunnyvale um, that city council, we, we have it under control. Unlike LAFCO, where there's a real need to delegate, I think council's got it under control in terms of appointing the five or seven commissioners to each of our boards and commissions. I feel like we've got it under control. Uh, it's a well-ironed, well-thought-through process that, um, from my perspective, has worked for any number of years. And then, Agnes, I heard your um, public comment a couple of minutes ago about uh, would it be possible for um, commissioners to provide potential questions to council members to ask during the interview process. And my response to that is, yes, please more, Agnes. I would love to hear um, your thoughts or suggestions about really salient, um, incisive, uh, thoughtful, uh, thought-provoking questions to ask applicants for your commission. And I would love to hear suggestions from commissioners on other commissions um, Similarly, I, I think that's a fantastic idea. I would welcome it. Um, you can email that to the entire council or any one of the council members. Um, and so thank you for letting me kick off a conversation about item three. Thank you very much, council member Cisneros. Yes, and um, my thoughts dovetail with that um, really closely and just wanting to provide context to how I think about that. Um, it all comes down to, I would love to get initial feedback and having any commissioner who has a vacancy open to go look at those applications, uh, the same ones that I look at and provide initial feedback on those candidates. Like, what do you think? Like, what are the, and then the questions, like, this is the question that I would ask them, or these are the sets of questions that I'm really interested to know about. Not only would that help me uh, prepare for that meeting and, and maybe give me uh, something to think about that me and my limited, uh, you know, just perspective as a council member, somebody who doesn't sit in all those meetings wouldn't have. And I think that would make it so that, I was doing my job in a even better and, and filling my role as council member even better in those roles, in those uh, appointment meetings. 
So getting that initial feedback, getting those questions, super open to it. I'm hearing that my colleagues would be very open to that too. Um, providing public comment, that it is a public meeting, getting a chance to uh, ask those questions or even give council something to think about uh, ahead of those meetings, during the meetings is um, like right before we conduct the interviews would be very welcome and you know, these are open. Not many people do it, but you're totally welcome to actually come sit in the room with us. And if you want to get that, the feel of what goes on in that room, it's actually a really small room. We conducted in a conference room over there. And I know that the folks uh, who are listening to this, who are involved with commissions know that full well. So you know how close you would be in there. You're basically on the dais if you're in that room with us and you're welcome to be there for it, for either the whole thing or part of it. And then after the meeting, following up, and as my colleague mentioned, um, either to just some council, one of council or the whole council, like, this is what I thought. And, you know, I actually encourage that just like any council decision, being a member of the public and especially coming as a commissioner, knowing what goes on in that commission and saying, this is what I think. And this is how I think you should vote at the end of the day. That's so helpful because we're making those decisions just based on our impressions and our limited understanding. It's always going to be limited because we don't always know the dynamics of that. And giving us that insight, I would find that tremendously valuable. As far as having a commissioner participate and give a question formally and then have an official say in it, my, my big questions there would be like, how would you then have that commissioner participate in the voting process, right? We actually have an odd number of council members, you know, for a pretty good reason. And that's, we, we deal with ties very rarely. And having an extra vote on that would give us, you know, an eight-person decision-making body. And there have been many occasions where council is not in complete agreement with our rankings. And also that's a ranked issue. So how do you do a ranked choice with a even number? I think we've done it once before and it was hard. So it does not go as smoothly. So the way I see it, just the way we do things, it would work best if um, folks, when you, and you'll know when you have a, uh, a vacancy, be active and involved in that process because that's gonna help me do my job better. So please do, I love the idea. And to the extent that this opens up that conversation and makes this that option and it is an opportunity to welcome commissioners to do that, I am all for it. Thank you very much, Council Member Cisneros. I have some thoughts on this as well. Uh, first of all, you know, I do think that having commissioners take a formal role in the appointment process would come with a number of challenges. And I don't think that that's necessarily, uh, I think that the challenges would be difficult to overcome. Uh, I think council does a, has a good handle on this. Um, but what I do think is interesting as some possibilities is rather than having, you know, a commissioner in the room asking a question, is that maybe once a year we put an item on the work plan for each commission to review the written questions that every applicant fills out and answers and to propose one or two for their commission, which council would then have the authority to approve or reject, of course. Um, but that could be something that could be institutionalized, I think, fairly easily, especially if we start it next year rather than this year. Um, you know, the big recruiting push is in Q2. 
because the terms all expire June 30th, naturally. So Q1, 3, and 4, we only have applicants for sort of intermediate vacancies. Um, so I could see something like in Q4 or Q1, the commissions have a work item to propose, you know, to review and propose questions for the application questionnaire. Um, and then that could be fed to council. Um, the other thing I will say, absolutely, if you have thoughts about what questions we should be asking, please write to us, please give public comment. If you have thoughts about who should be appointed, please write to us, please send public comment. The other thing I'm going to suggest is that no one best understands a commission better than those who have served on it. So if you know you have a vacancy coming up and you know someone you think would be good on that commission, recruit your friend, please. You are doing us a service. That is something that is extremely helpful. Um, so I'd really encourage people to do that. Now, I'm going to ask the city clerk, um, would it be helpful to have, you know, if we want to discuss this idea of allowing the BNCs to uh, refer questions as part of an item on their work plan, would it be helpful to have a motion on that? Uh, yes, it would be helpful to have a motion uh, recommending that to council for consideration because um, that, you know, doesn't sound like a huge amount of staff work, but there definitely is some, right? Bring the current questions to them. Uh, we try and keep it to each board of commission having only one page to respond to mm -hmm. so that it doesn't turn into a college application to volunteer <laughs> for a board or a commission. Um, and then we also, right, we have numerous members of the public that apply for more than one. So if you start adding questions to a bunch of boards and commissions, then you might get less thoughtful answers to more questions. So I think it, it has some value, but it would be worth hearing if all of council wants us to start spending boarding commission time and staff time looking at those. All right. Um, well, I'm going to propose as a motion for discussion among my colleagues um, that we add an item to each board and commission's annual work plan to review and propose new questions for the written questionnaire. Council Member Cisneros? Yeah, thank you. I love that idea. I think that's, that really pulls in the spirit of this item, this policy proposal, while still maintaining the integrity of the structure we have in place without the pitfalls that we had talked about. You know, the the thought about them giving less thoughtful questions and it turning into a college application because we're adding questions to the application, I have a couple thoughts on that. One, for the commissions that already have an existing question, I think when council considers this policy proposal more formally to think about, is that question helpful to us in every single uh, in every single round of applications? Or would it be more helpful for us to actually take into advisement if that commission question would be more helpful in leaving that space open to that commission question and failing there being a new commission question, reverting back to our old one? And we would need, this is a little bit more legwork on council's end because we would have to then go ahead and approve it, right, every year when these are done, but, right? Yeah, and um, I wasn't here when it happened, but I understand there was a, I believe this this subcommittee at one point did kind of look at all the questions because there used to be like disparate applications for every boarding commission and there were more questions for each boarding commission when it was kind of all brought together 
the number of questions for each boarding commission was uh, reduced to kind of what were thought to be the more targeted um, poignant question for each board commission. And there's a few questions right there kind of on the main application. So sort of like, why do you want to serve on a board or commission is up there. And then the supplemental questions are the ones that target specific boards and commissions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that council will have, you know, and not having that context or that discussion, I think the broader council discussion we can have at a meeting is going to be really fruitful and pulling apart what our preferences would be now, considering that this opportunity to have commissions have more direct say on a, you know, annual or maybe every two year basis to go ahead and re-up that question. I don't think it necessarily has to be every year, but just even having it every two years when you have more turnover um, would be appropriate um, to look at as part of that uh, council discussion later on. And yeah, I, I just, I just really appreciate that idea. Uh, and as far as the idea that the applicants would give less thoughtful questions if they have more. Um, hopefully, it, well, if you're applying for a bunch of commissions, look, like, put in the work to go ahead and convince us. And if you're not going to put in the work on a question, maybe don't apply for that commission, because that's something that I look for when I'm evaluating applicants is, are they putting in the effort to answer that question as best as they can? Or are they very clearly preferring one commission over another? In which case, I kind of don't consider them for the you know, second, third, or fourth choice, whatever there is, because it just seems like you just want to be on a commission. And I just want to know that somebody is really interested in what they're doing, especially considering there's other applicants. Like, that matters to me. And if we're really interested in hearing a follow-up on that question, because for other reasons, through their interview, we're, con we're considering them for it. What my um, philosophy is, is asking them, like, hey, I didn't get a lot from you on this question. Can you please give it, have you given it any more thought? And giving them an opportunity to do that using my question, or if I have questions about it. So I'm okay with that. I just I just really hope that people put their all in, into what they're applying for and put their best foot forward. But I, I think uh, I would be very supportive of a motion to bring that before council. Thank you very much, Councilmember Cisneros. Councilmember Melton. Yeah, thank you. I'll I'll vote yes on the motion, but I um, also just want to say I uh, when this comes to council, I'd like to see staff's analysis of uh, cost and benefit in terms of staff workload to implement the thing versus the perceived benefit. So happy to vote yes on this one, but um, just want to see that analysis before I make a final decision on council, of course. Um, and then I'll just say I've said this before into a microphone on um, applications for boards and commissions, especially as pertains to the planning commission. Um, sometimes we see folks um, I really admire their desire to serve. They'll list, uh, you know, one, two, three, four, and the planning commission might be listed as a three um, or wherever it may be. For me, if you want to be on the planning commission, it needs to be a one and there needs to be only one number one on your application. Um, so I, I've said that before, and I'll just reiterate that as one of the things that Russ Melton looks for in terms of planning commission applicants. So thank you. Thank you very much. And I'm going to just add a couple things here. First, like my colleagues, I do uh, cast a somewhat suspicious eye at applications with lots of one-line answers. Um, one of the things I look for is I look for someone who's doing the work, putting the work in. Um, and again, with planning commission in particular, I'm looking at someone who's ranking that number one and is putting forward a very detail-oriented application because that reflects 
That's the work that planning commission does. It is detail oriented. Um, one thing I will say is if this does move forward, I could see the suggested questions from the boards and commissions being forwarded to this subcommittee mm. to bundle up what the year's application questions are going to be and refer that to council on consent or something um, as a way to sort of minimize the impact on the general council's time. Um, and with that, uh, thank my colleagues for their support. And may we have the roll call vote, please. First up, Member Cisneros, how do you vote? Yes. Member Mellinger. Yes. Member Melton. Yes. The motion carries 3-0. Thank you very much. On to item four, create a transportation commission or just the scope of an existing commission such as BPAC or sustainability to include more transportation issues. Council Member Melton. Yeah, um, on, on this one, instead of Russ Melton going first, um, Chair Mellinger, could I ask you to go first on this? I, I, I would really like to hear your... I was... Yeah, thank you. I was abs actually thinking of using my chair's prerogative just once to do that. So I'm going to I'm gonna say I think this is a fantastic idea, and I think it's also a study issue. Um, this is... A transportation commission is a complicated thing to put together. And it wouldn't... I would see some benefit to this being structured differently from our other commissions. I feel like if we just appoint five or seven like we do for the other commissions, we're just going to end up substantially duplicating BPAC in many ways. What I would like to see is some sort of select commission where maybe there's a council member, maybe the VTA rep sits on it, uh, maybe someone from planning, maybe someone from sustainability, maybe someone from BPAC. There's a lot of ways this could be structured. But getting it right is going to be sufficiently involved that I don't think we're going to hash it out in the next 10 minutes. And my thought on this is that, you know, this is something and I I'm, I think I can throw out there publicly and say that I'd be OK with taking point on drafting a study issue on this. Um, but I think that this is sufficiently thorny that I don't think that we can try and hammer that out today. And I'd appreciate my colleagues' thoughts. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And that's where my mind was going to this, too, that this need I would not be comfortable with creating a whole new commission through this process because that like all of our commissions, we went through, you know, actually we just got, we recently created a commission. It was the, the Human Relations Commission. And that was a process. That, and that was a study issue. It was a study issue that I proposed actually in my first council meeting uh, that I sat in after getting elected. And it took quite a while to go ahead and figure out all the details and all the nuance of what would they do? What do other cities do? What could that look like? And then having that, just, you know, it come before council as a study issue and then having it come before, it might've been two study issues, I can't remember. And then, or a study, not study issues, study sessions, thank you. And then before us for a final vote when, when this had been hashed out. And one of those things that we came to is like, yeah, it would be appropriate to have a community rep be allowed or like open that up so we could have somebody who, does work in that area, serve on the commission and not necessarily be a resident of Sunnyvale. And that's exactly what happened. We have somebody who works for Sunnyvale Community Services, but is a resident of Mountain View, serve on that commission. And that's a very valuable voice to the kind of work that that commission does. And so it's those details that need to get hammered out 
you know, what kind of staff resources are needed in order to staff it. And I appreciate um, uh, committee member or chair Mellinger's idea of having, you know, maybe that is just representatives from council planning, maybe, you know, housing and human services for the transportation issues, thinking about transportation's connection to housing um, equity and human relations, maybe BPAC. I don't know. But maybe that's the best way to put it together because it is something that touches so many areas of our policy. But that's the exact conversation I would like to have. And and I, I would love to open myself, avail myself to you to work on that with you, to put together that study issue proposal and then bring it before council to see what would we like to know from staff before we would make a decision like that? What would we like to be, what would we like to have studied? I, I think it is a worthwhile thing to do because I really took those comments um, in our uh, conversation and in, in the public, in the bigger council meeting with the commissioners and also heard here today that transportation is a massive issue and BPAC can't possibly tackle it all. And the staff capacity within BPAC cannot possibly tackle it all, but it's absolutely worth giving council additional um, advice on, on how to go forward with. So I, I think this is a great conversation we have, and I'm very grateful to those who, who brought this up for consideration. Thank you very much, council member Cisneros, council member Mellinger, or Melton. Both, both, both of our, I, I get, I get confused sometimes, Richard, because both okay. of our last names start with this M-E sound to it. So the city clerk will be doing a random roll call vote. And sometimes I'm ready to pounce when I hear the Met and Melling anyway. So maybe you feel the same way at times. I don't know. Uh, but one thing is clear to me. I think your idea of doing a study issue, a did I get that right? Study issue, a study issue on some form of commission that would look at transportation issues is great. If you feel that you want to pull me into a Brown Act buddy group as you formulate your thoughts, I'd be happy to do that. Or um, I know you have a lot of expertise on the topic and um, and can forge your path forward on this. Um, yeah, I, I would be interested in seeing uh, a problem statement and is statement or what should be statement. Um, and uh, we had such a great dialogue on the creation of the Human Relations Commission um, that there's no question in my mind that council could forge a path forward and create something awesome in concert and collaboration with our incredible community um, to do something great. So good stuff, council member, appreciate you. Thank you very much. And to close the loop on this, what I think I'm going to do at some point in the next couple of months is I will draft something up and send it to you two for review and for feedback and comments. And at some point that will probably work its way into a uh, study issue proposal at the end of a council meeting. Um, and so with that, uh, moving on to item five, expand arts commission to an arts and culture commission. Uh, do my colleagues have any thoughts on this one? Councilmember Cisneros, do you have any thoughts on this one? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, the current practice here, um, noting that the Human Relations Commission also has this within their work plan. And additionally, um, as far as arts go, I kind of see arts and culture as being inextricably linked. And throughout 
I would encourage the commission and, and, you know, maybe nodding to staff, be like mentioning the cultural relevance of all the art that comes before us. But I actually, having been the liaison for that commission, I think that was pretty well covered, but that, but that was just what I saw. Yeah, absolutely. When you're recommending study issues, pulling in culture and art together um, would make a lot of sense. And a lot of culture is communicated through art. And so I think that having a commission where it's let, you know, culture means a lot of things, but having someone drill down on how culture is communicated through art specifically is of immense value. And I, and I think that that is just inextricably already in there, but that, but that's my perspective. And I would encourage the commission to, um, you know, own that and talk about that, use your, your platform as, uh, the go-to place for art in the city, that body for art in the city, to to talk about the the connection between art and culture. That would be a very rich discussion. And as you propose study issues, having um, you know art study issues specifically geared toward communicating culture through art would be awesome to see. And I would really look forward to hearing about what the commissioner's thoughts are on that through the study issue process. Thank you very much, Councilmember Melton. Yeah, thank you. Um, well said. I really appreciate um, Councilmember Cisneros um, going first and sort of grabbing the wheel on the on the dialogue here. I I don't have anything to add. I, I really appreciate um, Councilmember Cisneros's um, wisdom, thoughtfulness, um, policy oriented, sort of clear eyed view on um, the relationship between arts and culture. Um, and I find myself in agreement with everything that she just said. So thank you for letting me say that. Thank you very much. I'm also in agreement with council member Cisneros. I'm going to yes. And for a moment. And what I think to some extent, what I think this is getting at is making clear that arts go beyond painting and sculpture that we're the arts commission. And I think that if the policy description of the arts commission needs to be modified for this. This is something I'm game for, um, that things like literature, dance, music, theater, the general category of what you would call the performing arts are also under the purview of the arts commission. Um, and yes, the human relations commission does touch on many of these things, but from a specific lens, namely EAI, and while that is a very important lens to be looking at art and culture through, it's not the only one. Um, and so I do think making clear that the performing arts are also a thing that is within the realm of the Arts Commission to be looking at uh, would be a positive thing. Uh, Councilmember Cisneros. And adding to that thought, in addition to performing arts, also literature, poetry, mm. um, spoken word, uh, rhetoric, um, having dialogue in the community about culture. Um, all of those things are encompassed within the art world. And so if we, I, I agree with you, if it would be um, helpful to revisit that description, that work plan to just incorporate those things and more explicitly spell it out. Yeah, I'd be totally game for having that come to us if that's the process that works. And, you know, we've had poet laureates come before council on a number of occasions and having the Arts Commission, you know, one thing I could see is a Sunnyvale poetry contest, for instance, um, 
I'm just going to throw that out there as maybe something the Arts Commission wants to kick around. Um, you know, there's lots of options to start expanding beyond the sort of visual arts that is, has historically been the focus, you know, photography, painting, sculpture. Yeah. And, you know, music, dance, poetry, rhetoric, as you said, all of these things are arts and are traditionally included in the concept of an arts education. Um, so I think that that would be something that would be very much uh, worth, uh, you know, having as part of the Arts Commission's uh, purview. Uh, could I just interject for a moment? Um, you know, one component that I think is why a lot of the Arts Commission focuses on sort of physical art in the city is they have a robust role mm -hmm. in our public art program. Uh, and then, you know, their their charge is, you know, their at least as far as appointment, council has stated right in your policy that you're looking for folks that have a demonstrated interest in the arts, such as visual arts, performing, and literacy. So I think it's it's captured in the council policy, at least to a certain extent. Uh, so it may be more of a like suggesting work plan items, such as a poetry contest or something that might be a way to take what's in the policy as far as what you're looking for in commissioners and aligning that with what the commission does. Because um, a key component of what they do is the public art applications come in and there's public art requirement and there's a certain timeliness. We can't just not answer to that, right? Mm -hmm. So I think there yeah, there's a way to move forward, but just noting that some of those concepts are already in the council policy. Absolutely. Um, here's what I would suggest. I would suggest that we look at proposing an addition to the Arts Commission work plan for this year for them to come back to us with some ideas of how they might like to see their commission uh, engage with what we might call the non-visual arts more. So things other than photography, painting, sculpture, things like dance and literature and poetry and music. Um, that would be my suggestion. Um, I'm actually going to phrase that as, as a motion, um, that we recommend adding an item to the work plan for say Q4, Q3, Q4 of this year on that. Uh, one just request, could the, the timeline be a little less specific? Cause it actually, as the subcommittee, you'd be recommending this to the city council to recommend to the right. And so, uh, you know, we will work to get this to council quickly, but I, I don't, I, th there's a few other things, right? The sure. office is doing, I totally. won't necessarily be able to bring this at your next meeting or the meeting after. Oh, absolutely. Uh, council member Melton. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in. Um, um, Mr. Carnahan, I, I have a hazy recollection from the TC Mac that council will be reviewing the work plans of our boards and commissions, you know, it, it, fairly soon. So fairly soon, he actually recently approved them. So um, that took place, which is why you recall it from the TC Mac. Yeah, there you go. Um, so it, it it is something that I think you know we would so likely my, take so my, all of so your my, direction tonight. So my incredibly uh, brilliant suggestion to Council Member Mellinger was going to be, well, let's just ram it in when the work plans come to council. But that ship has already set sail. So, um, okay. And I didn't actually ask for a second on that motion. Um, is there a second? I apologize. Well, yes, I will second it. Um, after I just make a quick suggestion that 
um, if I make a quick suggestion to it, Go ahead. do I need to make it as a if you want to change it, yes, it should be friendly amendment. Okay. I second and also offer a friendly amendment that the terminology we use to describe what we're asking for would be dynamic art forms because that is the differentiation I see between painting sculpture and, and what is typically addressed. And, and this is more dynamic and maybe dynamic and interactive. I'd suggest dynamic, interactive, and literary. Dynamic, interactive, and literary. I love that. Would you accept? I would accept that. Thank you, and happily second. All right. Um, I think we've talked a fair bit about this. Um, to be clear to the city clerk, I, let's not have the time frame on there. Um, and unless my colleagues have any further thoughts or comments, uh, could we have a roll call vote, please? Member Melton? Yes. Member Cisneros? Yes. Chair Mellinger? Yes. The motion carries 3-0. Thank you very much. Uh, next item on the docket, expand scope of the Heritage Preservation Commission to include more community engagement and Sunnyvale history. Um, I'm going to use chair's prerogative here to speak first on this. Uh, like item four, I think this is a study issue, although I don't think it is nearly as big of one. Um, and I'd be happy to take point on drafting such a study issue. Uh, Councilmember Melton? Yes. Yes, please. Councilmember Cisneros? Yes. And so my question here is, where do, is there any home for this currently? I, I guess there's not. So this feels like this would be incorporate. Yeah, I guess my question is, where in the commission world does community engagement in Sunnyvale history lie? Because I know we do do that. We have a couple of study issues we'll be ranking regarding this explicitly. So in the, the Heritage Reese, the Heritage Preservation Commission, the general topic has been focused more on kind of land use preservation uh, and then mm -hmm. development participation of museums and the city's archives as opposed to preserving history in and of itself. Uh, we do have a, a historical museum that does a good job of capturing the city's history, uh, but we don't have a, a commission that has a core focus of focusing on the city's history and providing public engagement around the city's history. Yeah, thank you for that for that clarification there, because I had seen part of that in the work plan. I was like, does that touch on it or not? It was unclear to me, but I agree. I think this is great. And, and as we heard uh, when we had that council meeting, too, is that the Heritage Preservation Commission doesn't need a lot and they want to be more engaged. And again, I'm so happy that our commissioners are just like, come on, council, give me more ways to engage. I want to do more work. What a great problem to have that we are solving. I love that. Um, makes me very happy for the city of Sunnyvale that you all are serving. Yeah, no, I would, I agree. This is a steady issue and let's see what that looks like and get feedback and how do we fit in this work that happens both externally from the city and then internally through some of these study issues that we'll be doing and the things that we try to do, like the inventory. So I'd, I'd happily support something like that. Thank you very much. And I just wanted to add that when I proposed this at the board and commission meeting, uh, joint meeting in November, I think it was uh, last fall, um, you know, I was explicitly thinking of modeling this on the Arts Commission, which does have that sort of greater public engagement role. 
Um, and the other thing I'd like to throw out is, you know, some things that could be done here. You know, yes, the museum does a fantastic job of this and they are a treasured institution, but they are not part of the city government. Right. Um, and so some things that I could see here, you know, history bees and history contests for local students could be a thing, um, you know encouraging you know presentations on local history you know encouraging resource research on local history uh i know the city of gilroy actually just hired a city historian with a small sti annual stipend um so there's a lot of things that could be done more within the city government to promote and engage uh promote engagement with our history and heritage uh do my colleagues have any other thoughts on this all right moving on to item seven uh, provide a clear method for board and commission members to add agenda items that do not require staff support. Uh, Councilmember Melton. Yeah, thank you. Um, I was trying to weave together my my thoughts on all of this. I really appreciate um, Commissioner Charlene Liu of the BPAC um, calling in with an example because that, that that was something that I find to be extremely helpful because I was trying to think through, you know, what is it that we're trying to solve for um, with the concept of providing a clear methodology for board and commission members to add agenda items, whether whether or not they require staff support. And I'll, I'll touch back on that in a second. Um, so. So the the first place that i start is uh the the role of a board and commission which is primarily first and foremost to provide policy advice to city council within a framework of public hearings where we have board and commission members um, interfacing with city staff in conducting public hearings and the, the interesting dynamic that um, there's a very uh, lengthy chain of reporting responsibility. Uh, let me let me try to elaborate what I'm thinking about here. And I I'm, I'm promise I'm going to circle back to the notion of agendizing something and the purpose of the board and commission and and how all of this works together in my book. So since since Commissioner Liu uh, uh, sponsored this notion and called into our meeting today, I'll, I'll take a look at BPAC. So um, we have BPAC commissioners. There's seven BPAC commissioners. They are awesome. Uh, as I just mentioned a couple of minutes ago, the public hearing that they had to rescind the motion and resort the potential study issues, I thought was brilliant, clear-eyed, policy-focused discussion. Um, so I have a lot of positive things to say about the BPAC. So the BPAC, the seven commissioners are appointed by council and they report to council, but to get through their actions, they work with city staff in a public hearing forum. Um, city staff, on the other hand, uh, you'll have a public works person, for example, Dennis. Dennis reports to Chip. Chip reports to Sarah, Sarah reports to Kent, Kent reports to the city council. So everybody sooner or later ends up on this route of reporting to city council. The commissioners provide advice to city council and staff professionally via the city manager reports to council. And the, and the point that I'm making is that 
even though staff and the commissioners are there together at a public hearing, staff doesn't report to the commission, right? Staff doesn't report to the commission. The commission cannot provide um, direction to staff. They can provide recommendations. They can provide suggestions. And staff, on the other hand, um, you know, will be soliciting feedback from the commissioners about what's going on in the city, what are new issues, what do you think we should do with this policy, and so forth and so on. So there's there's this distance in the relationship between the commissioners and staff that all come together during these public hearings. So that's one thing. Um, and it all funnels back to city council. So then you have the question of how do things get agendized for city council? And we've talked about that in the past, and it's well understood that there are three and only three paths to getting things agendized for council. In the past, I've, I've expressed concerns about adding ways to agendize things for city council. And, and, you know, we implemented the new colleagues memo, which I think is a good thing, but still we have the three paths for agendizing things for city council. So then you get back to the boards and commissions and we, we have a pathway, a couple of pathways for things to be agendized for boards and commissions. One is a board and commissioner has something that they feel maybe has exigency circumstances or something very important. The defined pathway is to talk to the staff liaison and say, hey, this is something that I think needs to be um, agendized, needs to be tackled by our board and commission. And then the other way is via the work plan, which is a formalized process of um, uh, proposing and having council ultimately ratify uh, what will be agendized for the coming 12 months of the, of the board or the commission. Um, so there's already a pathway that even allows for um, sort of an ad hoc process of a commissioner requesting the staff liaison to put something on a future agenda. But also, um, even outside of this defined process, there's uh, another way for a commissioner, if they feel a sense of urgency, and Commissioner Liu brought up something I wrote down, AB43. I'm not familiar with it yet. I'll, I'll get familiar with it, but it has something to do with speed limits. So, um, I'm trying to imagine a world, and maybe my colleagues can help me here, of what it looks like if a commissioner can agendize a discussion about AB 43. The theory is that it wouldn't have any staff support required, but I think I heard um, our city clerk say, well, you know, ultimately, if it touches on policy, there's going to be staff support required. So that's just a question I've, I've put aside for the second. But I'm trying to imagine a world where staff, I'm sorry, where commissioners could put a discussion about AB 43 on the agenda, what that looks like. And the reality as I see it is if Commissioner Liu or any of our esteemed commissioners feels a sense of urgency to talk about AB 43 or whatever relevant topic may be in the world of the board and commission, they can go talk to city council, right? And council can, um, take the mantle and propose a um, 
propose an agenda item and and vote on it, or the mayor can agendize it, or the city manager can agendize it. So uh, I, these are the sorts of the things as the world as I see it today, and trying to imagine what would be different under this proposal. Um, would it be better, or would it um, yield something that's not better? I, I I just have a lot of questions, and I appreciate that my colleagues. Um, let me just um, mention some of the things that are on my mind, and I'm looking forward to the upcoming discussion. Thanks, Chair. Thank you very much, Councilmember Melton. Councilmember Cisneros. Thank you. And I, I've heard a bit about this, but I just want to make sure that I have my mind wrapped around the, the ask clearly that this would just be for um, the commission to agendize something for the commission to hear not council like not putting things on the council agenda do i have that right just saying that in the record correct okay thank you thank you for saying that in the record because not everybody's watching uh the body language as we know um okay well that's helpful i just wanted i was like wait is that there <sighs> yeah i agree with what i just heard too about the, we have that process and the role of the commissions in terms of giving council feedback on the things that we need feedback on and, uh, you know, in the advisory capacity. And I'm also particularly sensitive when I thought about this to the fact that for a number of our commissions, particularly the ones that are very active, uh, there are impact work plans, you know, to the extent one of the things we're considering and, and may move forward in is forming a whole nother advisory body to address the things that that commission just doesn't have time for. So in in the interest of being able to really have the things that, you know, are already in the work plan addressed in a timely manner and not have these meetings go past midnight every time to go ahead and say, okay, there, it's appropriate to have some level of process around doing that. I think we do have it. However, I, I thought of something um, here. What is, like, would there be a way for the commission to draft some kind of letter to council, maybe in the form of similar to how we do colleagues memos, but not the same, like not with the same, like, oh, we vote, the colleagues memo is to go ahead um, and agendize something in a more formal way, but being able to provide that memo to council, perhaps in a similar vein, so that you know, we, a council member can decide to take that up or not, but having a more formal process so that um, there is some kind of um, external way to to get that agendized and either for their commission saying like, yes, we've, you know, for staff to go up and down. I don't know. That's just something I'm kicking around in my head to start with. And I'd love to get feedback on that because I was just thinking of like, is there what's being asked here, maybe having a, a cl more clear process or a more formal process to introduce these ideas that are urgent. And, you know, I agree with the idea, like when it comes to legislation and going ahead and taking positions, that process of bring it to, uh, you know, the mayor, bring it to the city manager, bring it to a council member to go ahead and pop that on the agenda. That's the, that will always be the most expedient way to do it. And I know as a council member, the most expedient way for me to get something on the agenda is to convince either the mayor or the city manager that this is worth putting on there. 
And that goes for you too. <laughs> so, and, and barring that, I, I put things on the agenda and in the way that council votes on it, but what do you all think about having some kind of memo process that is a little bit more formal, a little bit more structured to introduce these things? Thank you very much, uh, Council Member Cisneros. I'm going to chime in on this. I was coming at this from a little bit of a different angle. Oh, yeah. So the Sustainability Commission already has commissioner-led presentations as a standard thing. And I think that is a process that can and should be expanded and clarified to all of the commissions. All of the commissions should be able to do this. And I think that the default rule should be that if a commissioner wants to do a presentation, that they should be allowed to do so in a timely fashion, so long as it does not displace anything on the council approved work plan. Um, so that's the key thing. If your commission is book solid for the next three months with things that we as council have put on your work plan, sorry, Mr. Commissioner, you have to wait. And I, that is something I am entirely okay with. So my general feeling here is that if a commissioner wants to do a presentation on something, they should be able to. I will add that if at the end of that presentation, the commission wants to authorize their chair to send a letter to council lay laying out points A, B, and C, that should also be a standard thing they should be able to do. That is not giving staff direction. It is giving their chair direction on what point, you know, send a communication to council, including these points. Um, that is something I think they should be able to do. I'm going to give you an example of this. In 2020, we all remember 2020, don't we? Um, a number of cities during the sort of early phases of the pandemic started rolling out what were called slow streets programs because in, you know, prior to the vaccines, the only ways to safely socialize with people outside of your COVID bubbles, remember those, was outside. Uh, and so one of the things a number of cities, including cities in the Bay Area did, was to start essentially blocking off neighborhood streets and even non-neighborhood streets to allow for, you know, sort of, they might be fully blocked off, they might be slow local traffic only, but to allow more space for people to congregate outdoors in a safe, socially distanced fashion. Um, and I remember being on BPAC gee, wouldn't that be great? And we did this with Murphy Avenue, but Murphy Avenue is kind of a, spe a very special case there, right? Wouldn't it be great if we could do something like this? And I remember speaking to staff liaison and basically the sense was that there was really no way to get this on an agenda in a timely fashion. And this was something that was really a thing where it felt like you had to strike while the iron was hot. This is an immediate situation with the pandemic. Uh, it's not something that can be a study issue. Hopefully, you know, the things will be a lot better by the time a study issue would be done, right? Um, and so ultimately what I ended up doing was I ended up getting together with a Brown Act subgroup on my commission and a couple of, of other commissions as well, never going above the Brown Act limit on any given commission and sending a letter to council. And it didn't happen. Um, I think this would have been a thing where a commissioner-led presentation followed by authorizing the chair to send a letter would have been, and then council can say, you know, yeah, we'll we'll hear that. No, we won't. Would have been a good sort of formal way to handle that sort of situation. Um, in terms of a memo process to request that something be added to the work plan, um, 
you know, what I would again say is, you know, a non-agenda item and, and comments, maybe ask the chair to send a letter to council requesting mm -hmm. that this be added to the work plan would be sort of the way I would handle that rather than an additional process. But from my perspective, the only process change I'd like to see here, uh, I'm going to talk about operational change and then process change. Operational change would be making clear to all of the commissions that this thing the Sustainability Commission can do is something you can do too within the confines of your existing work plan. That's the operational change. The policy change would be allowing automatically as part of a presentation for the commission to vote to authorize their chair to send a letter to council on the contents of the presentation, laying out something from that presentation. That would be the policy change I would propose. Um, and I guess I will hear my colleagues' thoughts before I put this forward as a motion or ask for a motion from my colleagues. Council. Councilmember Melton. Chair, Chair Mellinger can see my left hand digit finger is itching to turn the light switch on here. I, I think that's a great idea, Councilmember Mellinger. And um, folks who know me know I'm big on process and I'm big on guardrails. So as I'm listening to you talk with a lot of appreciation, Richard, because I think this is a great idea, I'm imagining um, Commissioner Liu. AB 43, uh, I'm just sort of role-playing that scenario. So not to pick on Commissioner Liu by any stretch of the imagination, but she brought up the example. So now I'm on the horse and I'm going to ride the horse. Uh, if Commissioner Liu wants to uh, make a presentation to her colleagues at a BPAC meeting about AB 43, subject to all of the guardrails that you talked about. The commission is maxed out on council-directed business for the next three months. Well, guess what? Commissioner Lee, you, you can talk in May or June or whenever there's an opening. That's sort of guardrail one. Uh, I'm I'm fine with that. Uh, if Commissioner Liu makes the presentation and it is sufficiently compelling to a majority of the BPAC commissioners, they say, yeah, I want Chair Wee to cough up a memo to city council and send it over. Um, that's great. And if it's understood that council can take action on the memo or not take action on the memo, that's all understood and memorialized appropriately. I'm okay with that. The The one thing that just makes me nervous, and I'm just going to say this out loud, and I don't want to upset anybody, but it's sort of what I talked about a little bit in my opening comment on this, which is that everybody reports to council, and the commissioners cannot give operational direction to staff. So if we have to write that down, baby, we're going to write it down. And the commissioners are going to have to understand at the end of the presentation, they can say things like, staff, do you have any thoughts about what I just said from your professional opinion or suggestions or whatever? And sure, Dennis or Chip or whomever, they may have some really interesting thoughts, but under no circumstances can the commissioner say, staff, we feel the mojo and we feel the love and all the energy and we want you staff to do X. No, I'm putting my arms in an X motion. No, you do not get to provide direction to staff. And sometimes that's a guardrail that um, 
that we struggle with, that all of us can struggle with when you're really feeling the passion and the mojo and the love in the room. And uh, that, that's just a guardrail that sometimes can get crossed over that really makes me exceedingly nervous. So I just felt like I wanted to say that out loud. And I feel like um, I heard our city clerk say um, that this thing exists for the sustainability commission. And I think I saw in the staff report um, his opinion that it's replicatable to the other boards and commissions. Uh, and if that's the case, uh, provided that we have the robust guardrails in place, um, this is sounding like a great idea. So I really appreciate your um, thought leadership on that. Thank you very much, Council Member Cisneros. Yeah, thank you. And I appreciate the feedback my colleagues just gave on the memo idea. And then, you know, really going ahead and, and specifying, like, this is a process that can be done through that presentation and saying, like, yeah, operationally, let's make it so that that's more clear for, um, you know, all commissions to know that this is something that they can do. And then having as part of that empowering the the chair to submit a memo to council for, for our consideration. That makes total sense to me. There's no need to go ahead and make something more complicated than that, I don't feel. That in that it wouldn't serve any substantively greater purpose than what we have there. Doesn't need to be more complicated. So I'm totally agree in total agreement. So thank you for the feedback. That's exactly what I was looking for. And and I do, you know, appreciate um what was just said about, you know, everyone reporting to council and council being able to give staff direction and making sure those bright lines are there. And even then, even with council being the only body able to give uh, staff direction, I also just wanted to say that I don't feel like I'm speaking at a turn when I say count the values of this council are very strongly in that we respect staff in, in their professional capacity, and that even if we feel very strongly about something operationally, it is incredibly important to our relationship with staff and in terms of showing respect to them and understanding our role because we can actually go ahead and venture into unlawful territory with interfering with operational matters that we restrain ourselves. <laughs> Even though we can give that direction, it's not appropriate every time. And that can be tough, as was mentioned. Sometimes we feel really strongly and we can't. And so even we have our limitations and our um, our own guardrails. And there are guardrails protecting staff from counsel. Because that level of interference, if you go and look at the city of Cupertino and Google staff interference in Cupertino, you will find... Um, grand jury reports made uh, because there was inappropriate council interference and operational issues. So that is something that we keep in mind. And it is like, I don't feel, again, I don't feel like I'm speaking out of turn where this council is like, that is essential. And we protect that above our own interests, pol like politically or policy-wise. And I love that about being here, having that value. Um, that said, having these pathways better spelled out so commissions know exactly where, where those opportunities are to go ahead and influence policy direction is valuable. And, and I think that's what we're gonna get out of this discussion is clarity around what exists within the bounds of how we make decisions at a city and who gives direction to who 
that's where it's going to come down to. And um, you know, I, I agree w with what was said there. But again, this is asking for more involvement. I am pro that. And taking advantage of these opportunities we have laid out for you and having it spelled out more explicitly in some way so that folks know the process, that's all valuable and I support it. So thank you. Thank you very much, Council Member Cisneros. I think I have what I need to phrase this into a motion. Can, um, can I just interject just two, two thoughts? One is that uh, as a staff member, it would be challenging for me to go to a meeting knowing that I know nothing about a topic that's going to be presented. Mm. And then to tell commissioners, um, I didn't do any research for this because this is supposed to be a no staff involvement item. So that's just one piece. But I also do feel that the current council policy, which gives the staff liaison the responsibility to manage the agendas to balance to the work plan, means that even if you had some commissioners that wanted to do 15 presentations every meeting, that wouldn't get in the way of the work plan because the staff liaison is responsible for the agenda and making sure that the agendas that get published and that are answered to the work plan. So if there was a lot of interest in lots of presentations, they would end up having to get sprinkled out, uh, as you all noted, right, and when there's availability. Um, and that's just my own personal discomfort of, you know, it, the more times we're, we're saying, okay, present something, and then you write a memo and staff is going to be sitting here in the room uh, as a staff member. If I don't know anything about the topic, I'm going to go do research because I would be afraid that people would ask me a question. And I don't want to say, I know this is under the general realm of what I should know, but I don't know anything about this. Um, so that's just a, a position where I would feel some discomfort. But again, it has worked for the Sustainability Commission. Um, but then knowing that now we're trying to say, please, no, you can write a memo to council encouraging a conversation about this. It's going to be a little harder, I think, for staff to say, well, I know this is going to be commissioner-led, so I'm not going to go conduct research. Um, I just know that they're going to have their conversation. And then if they choose to ask the chair to write a memo to council, it'll be whatever they want to say, and it won't have staff involvement. Um, so it's just, it's a little bit of a discomforting area, but it also does allow more topics to come up to council. So it's just a, another perspective I'd like to interject. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. City Clerk. And, you know, I would be very open if we were to make this a policy to having some sort of guardrail, you know, some sort of rider in the statement saying, you know, you can ask staff questions, but don't expect them to have done any research on this. Don't expect them to be, you know, that fundamentally the person, the staff, for these presentations is the presenter, right? The person who is in that case, you know, the one you should be directing your questions to is the person who's presenting, not city staff. City staff can talk about general city policy, but they're not going to go research AB 43 just because you're doing a presentation on AB 43, right? Uh, Councilmember Melton. They're going to go research AB 43 because of the existence mm. of a thing on AB 43. They're going to go research it. So the, I haven't had a chance to think this through, but David, I really, truly appreciate your candor. Yeah. Um, and it takes some courage um, for staff to stand up. And this is a real hallmark of Sunnyvale mm -hmm. saying, uh, yeah, you know, council or commission or subcommittee, um, 
I'm feeling uncomfortable about this. Um, and they are going to go research AB 43. Even yeah. if we put it in writing, Charlene, you're on the hook and uh, staff is going to take zero and they're going to take involvement. They're going to, and I don't know what the answer is on this. So thank you, David. Oh, uh, Certainly, um, just briefly uh, to some of the discussion around what the policy currently says, I'm I'm rereading it uh, now, and it it does provide some specificity. I think um, the section that I wanted to remind us all of is that the it outlines that the chair's role and responsibility, in part, is to ensure that items on the board and commission agenda are in alignment with the council approved work plan. If there's ever any disagreement between the chair and the staff liaison. Um, regarding that scope of work that's been authorized by council, then the policy says that the city manager shall have final authority on that subject to appeal to the city council. So if there were ever an item um, that, you know, there was some disagreement about figuring out how to fit that in and in consistency um, with council direction, then your policy does have that process spelled out. You know, the other thing I'm gonna say is that this subcommittee does not have the authority to make policy. We have the authority to refer items for consideration to council. And right now I am comfortable referring the item to council. And I know that our hardworking city staff, if we make that referral, will go and we'll look at, you know, the concerns that our city clerk has raised. And, you know, I imagine that if those concerns cannot be ameliorated sufficiently, that the staff recommendation will be don't do this. Uh, and I want to encourage staff if they feel that these can the concerns they have or the concerns that we've heard cannot be ameliorated or dealt with i would encourage staff to give us a recommendation of do not proceed i think that that is a way to sort of uh square this of let's look at it but let's not jump the gun and do anything wild and crazy um so i am going to yeah, council member cisneros oh sorry this is a very rich discussion mm -hmm. and a very heavy topic. I think we're talking about like the philosophy of government at this point, mm -hmm. um, which is great. I, I'm a political science professor, so I'm right at home right now. Um, so one data point I would like to have with that staff report, if we were this um, subcommittee chooses to move it forward, is how what works really well with the Sustainability Commission? How does that work? And then how what are the concerns about that not scaling? Or what are those pitfalls that may come into play if we were to expand it to every commission? That's just an, no need to have an answer now. That's just something I would want to flesh out in more detail. And that, too, that would help me tremendously in making this determination. But I want to echo too, please, full candor. This is very important. This will affect staff tremendously. And this will also affect council tremendously and the kind of policy we hear. So this is taking it very seriously. Thank you. Councilmember Melton. Yes, I agree 150% uh, with Professor Councilmember Cisneros. Um, uh, very insightful. I, I was thinking the exact same thing. Why do, Why is it believed that this works for the Sustainability Commission and is it scalable? So mm -hmm. I, I agree with all of that. Here, colleagues, here's, here's a suggestion that I have, which is rather than referring this to the city council, if it's not ready for prime time, can we refer it back to ourselves we and say, yeah, uh, staff, go think about this. Uh, 
give us your candid thoughts. And when you're ready, let's snap together and have another subcommittee meeting and kick it around at this level before we um, rev it over to council. So as the upcoming maker of the motion, um, council member Mellinger, thank you for considering it. Thank you, council member Melton. And I think that's a very good idea. And I think I'm gonna incorporate that. Um, and so at this point, I think I'm ready to make the motion on item seven. Uh, which is to return to this subcommittee with a proposal for the following changes. Um, one, to clarify that uh, all boards and commissions are permitted to have commissioner-led presentations so long as they fit within the work plan. Um, two, that... Uh, at a commissioner-led presentation, uh, the commission may vote to authorize its chair to send a letter to council. Um, and though that, I believe, sums up the policy changes that we've discussed. And do I have a second? Councilmember Cisneros. I second. All right. Um, I'm going to say to my motion, we've talked about this quite a bit, but one thing I'm going to tack on to this is, you know, we're offering, if we do this, we will be offering the boards and commissions a new tool. And uh, what we give, we can take away. And if that tool is abused, it will be taken away. And I will also admonish our boards and commissions that maintaining a respectful relationship with staff is critical. And so that if we do this and we start seeing, you know, letters or, efforts to command staff or direct staff from the boards and commissions, that won't be acceptable. That if the tone of these discussions or these letters is disrespectful to staff, that won't be acceptable. Um, but I do believe that this opens an important channel for communication between the boards and commissions and the council and allows for a bit more, you know, I put forward a study issue on the study issue process, and one of the things it called out was agility. And I think this introduces the potential for a bit more agility into our processes. And I think that this is something that is worth considering and examining together as a subcommittee um, and possibly considering rolling out. Um, and with that, I'd respectfully urge my colleagues I vote, and I thank my colleagues and city staff for a very robust and in-depth discussion. Thank you. And if my colleagues have no further comments or questions, may we have the roll call vote, please? Can I? Absolutely. Um, City Clerk, do you feel you have what you need in this motion based on the discussion that you've heard to take action? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's all. I, I just wanted to check in. Um, man, I love the city of Sunnyvale. I love <laughs> the council, our commissions, our public, our businesses, our uh, incredible professional staff, Sarah and David. Um, and the entire team, thank you for um, uh, this great discussion. I'll be, I'll vote yes. And now may we have the roll call vote, please. Yes, uh, first, Chair Mellinger. Yes. Uh, Member Cisneros. Yes. Member Melton. Yes. The motion carries 3-0. Thank you very much. Now we have this list of proposed policy changes. Do my colleagues have anything else that they would like to propose for consideration by this commission or this or by this subcommittee or this full city council uh, before we wrap up this item. I will throw out that I have a couple. 
Councilmember Melton. I got to go. Okay. Uh, thank you. Um, I will be very brief then. Um, there are two that I would like us to consider. One is increasing the size of the Board of Library Trustees and Human Relations Commissions from five to seven. Uh, Board of Library Trustees, may that may be a charter amendment, but I'd like to throw out that as a possibility. And I, in fact, I'll move that we uh, refer that back to this subcommittee. Second. Thank you very much. Uh, Council Member Melton, uh, any discussion? Mm -mm. May we have the roll call vote, please? First, up, Member Cisneros, how do you vote? Yes. Chair uh, Mellinger? Yes. Member Melton? Yes. The motion carries 3-0. The second thing I will raise with respect to Council Member Melton, who I know needs to run, there is a longstanding policy that uh, whenever you email a border commission's alias, you get a response back saying that the individual commissioners will not respond to you. Um, this is something that has always struck me as problematic. Part of the commission's role is to engage with members of the public, and it actually strikes me as brusque if you're a member of the public advocating to a commissioner being told that they will not get back to you. Um, I think that, you know, um, we should be, we should trust our commissioners to be willing to, to be able to respond responsibly to members of the public with the knowledge that what they say is subject to the Public Records Act, you know, to be able to meet with members of the public uh, who express a desire to meet um, and to understand that Commissioners serve at the pleasure of this council. And again, if this uh, power or the, if this is abused, that this council will take action. Um, and so I would like to propose that the subcommittee uh, hear a, an item on revising the policy about the uh, commissioners will not respond to members of the public writing in um, at a future subcommittee meeting. Second. Thank you very much, Council Member Cisneros, Council Member Melton. Um, question for staff is is that um, policy an a council policy or an operating policy? I'm looking at the operating policy now, but I, I believe it is generally an operational at least at least the template for all of those messages is operational. Hmm. So I'll, I'll I'll vote yes to bring it back, but Sarah, if staff needs to say this is operational and mm -hmm. draw a line, feel please feel free to do so. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, and, uh, Mr. Carnahan, I uh, may we have, may we have the roll call vote, please. First up member Melton. How do you vote? Yes. Member Cisneros. Yes. Chair Mellinger. Yes. Motion carries three zero. All right. Do we have any further item, um, uh, uh, items for discussion on item two? Seeing and hearing none that concludes our business for the day. And this meeting is adjourned at five thirty three PM. Thank you all. Good job, Richard. Awesome.